on this episode of the Star Wars Time Show. Matt remains solo, but not Han, as he guides you all through the release of official Obi-Wan Kenobi assets. He'll break down the first trailer to tell you what you should be focusing on. He'll talk Vader and Kenobi's mindsets in the series. He'll make a guess on who Kamal Nanjiani is playing and where Vader and Kenobi may duel. The Mandalorian Season 3 and a few recent leaks will also be picked apart to figure out where things may be going for Din and Grogu. Some Bad Batch S2 news will be shared too before talking about a recent Damon Lindelof rumor. Of course, the show will end with this. This week's fan segment featuring question of the week responses and the latest round of top five Star Wars fan artist features. Punch it, Chewie! everybody is anyone in here is this show still alive do i even have a co-host anymore welcome back to the star wars time show that's right it's another week just me so all the nick fans you know you can sign off right now you're not going to get any nick again this week he's still gallivanting about the galaxy that is the earth uh, I don't even know where he's at at this point in time. I don't know if he's back from his international travel or what, but I woke up, no top five, which means no Nick, so here you go. Another Matt-only show. I've been driving the ship for almost two weeks now. All sorts of news dropped last week. Per SWTS tradition, last Wednesday we got you know Kenobi official articles with images then the trailer came out and then more articles and it's like ah where's my partner i need someone to help out all hands on deck kenobi 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 is here hello there hello there hello there but i digress i got through it got the post covered checked out some other things i want to talk about before we get into this week's topics for the Star Wars Time Show, and, and there are many, uh, uh, almost too many for one man to take on by himself, but I'm here, I'm a little puffier than usual, took a little extra day off yesterday, it's spring break in my parts, so um, feeling a little bloated, might have to take a dump mid-cast, you never know. Uh, but looking at myself in the camera right now, I definitely do not look like I've been taking care of myself. I look a little rough. So apologies to everyone that is viewing the stream. Remember, if you want to check out the live stream every Tuesday, typically 2.30 p. East on YouTube, youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. Uh, I doubt Nick has watched the trailer. Um, like the rest of you, I, I don't quite understand Nick's fandom these days. Uh, you know, I'm not going to question. I know he's still a fan, but he just, he's not quite as insane as me, nor has he ever been, but it just even seems like things, you know, new Kenobi trailer just doesn't move his meter. Uh, I, I let him know about him like, Hey motherfucker, it figures you're gone. And all this happens. That seems to be the case when you decide to take a vacation, something big comes out. You know, Nick's always lamenting the fact that, you know, we do the show and there's nothing live to talk about. Well, 
just so happens every time he takes a trip, something pops up to discuss. But he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll check it out by next week. So I don't, I don't know what that means. I would assume if he's still not back stateside, he probably hasn't watched it yet. So <laughs> he's got a little more restraint than myself. There, I mean, there's a lot to say about Nick and his fandom. And I, I wish I could be more like him at times because I really do drive myself crazy with this it's it's like this soul sucking desire soul sucking desire to cover star wars to be you know to get to get content out with my opinions on it and it's useless we figured out over all these years no one really gives a shit i mean thank you to the diehards that you always tell me hey the content's good it's good one of these days it's going to hit i'm starting to think that i might just be listening to fans too much i mean fans are fans for a reason they typically like you or your content but they may not be um uh, as subjective as i need them to be but i do it you know we're going to talk about the trailer i broke it down hopefully you checked it out last week on the channel I'm going to talk about the EW articles where we got some quotes from both Ewan and Hayden on their respective characters. Like I said, some insane rumors coming out for The Mandalorian Season 3. So much so that I decided to not even cover the most recent one. Uh, if you're into that type of stuff, I'd recommend making Star Wars or Bespin Bulletin. Um, but Bespin Bulletin, you got to be careful. They get a little uh, overzealous with their titles. So um, be... <laughs> Be wary of uh, their titles because they just go right for it. I try to dance around leaks and let the reader know like, hey, there's something in here that you might be interested in. But if you read it, you're probably going to fuck up the show for yourself, at least from a spoiler standpoint. Uh, but that doesn't seem to be the case at other outlets. So th there is something that came out today. Uh, and really, it's stuff that I and this is where I lament the fact that I don't have the balls to sometimes to just say, hey exclusive from our sources. Um, but the, a lot of stuff that came out today for the Mandalorian season three that I passed on deals with the minds of Mandalore, which I speculated on would be a part in the Mandalorian season three, just based on the conversation we saw in the book of Boba Fett, as well as, uh, let's just say a little more insights into the tale. The armorer told Din in the book of Boba Fett about the, uh, the mythosaur and all that stuff. So, uh, I will say without divulging the spoiler that a lot of the speculation you've heard from me, both in my Book of Boba breakdowns, then on this silly show with my friend Nick, they look like they are going to be coming true in The Mandalorian Season 3. Uh, that is right, 1-6 Shooter. Welcome, welcome. In the live stream, we got the usuals. Trevor's in there, Black Series Clips, Bat, Big Joe with the wrench. Welcome to another edition of the Matt Solo Show. Uh, just call me Oven, Oven Solo, a.k.a. Han's dad, or is he? Uh, speaking of that, I, I do want to, I'm not going to talk about, I, I did two comic book recaps last week, uh, the Han Solo and Chewbacca number one. Pretty damn good comic with some interesting canon in it for the Solo, as well as Crimson Rain 3, but I'm, I'm not going to recap those on today's show because there's a ton of stuff to talk about. So uh, please check those out if you dig my comic book recaps. I've got Crimson Rain number three and then Han Solo and Chewie number one for you to check out. Um, yes, the Mythosaur, don't worry. As, as did I, as did I tell you. I told everyone when she gave that speech and was dropping the legends, 
that she wasn't kidding, and that would make up the Mandalorian season three, and it looks like we're getting there. Before I move on, though, I, uh, we do have a special guest today. I can hear her behind me trying to surprise me. Hey, there she is, my foundling, even though I found her in my, mu in my wife's tummy. She's still like a little Grogu. Huh? There's a camera right there. All right, did you have a good day? Yeah. Okay, well, it's just another show with just your old dad today, so wish me luck, all right? Well, I'm going to tell everyone about the Atom Project in case they haven't watched it yet and let them know how much we enjoyed it. Sound like a good idea? Yeah. All right. Well, I'll see you in a little bit. Uh, your iPad, I believe, is still up on the chair up there. <laughs> see you, buddy. Well, there you go. That, that, that tends to kind of be the new, new segment on the show when the little one gets home. She, she likes to drop in. All right. So, um... Uh, she she kind of helped me usher in the, the first topic I want to get into, and I won't spend a lot of time on it because, like I said, there, there's so much Star Wars to talk about. It's crazy. Definitely a good time to be alive, even without a live Star Wars show going on. It just seems like uh, the leakers have come to life. The official marketing machine is up and running for Kenobi. So a ton of stuff to talk about. But first, I, I do want to give a recommendation to a recent release on Netflix, and that is indeed The Atom Project. Uh, I, I have a feeling anyone in my generation, uh, especially males, are, are definitely going to get hit by some of its emotional beats. If you've got dad issues, if you used to play catch with your father, uh, any of that type of stuff, The Atom Project is going to resonate with you. So while it, it, it hits the emotional beats for parents and just humans that have had their own parents... It's also a damn good sci-fi movie with some time travel mixed in. Uh, the time travel is nice and clean, nothing goofy to worry about. Uh, but the story is, it's charming, uh, to say the least. Uh, I, I've been a fan of Ryan, Ryan Reynolds since Two Guys, A Girl, in a Pizza Place. Uh, the dude just seems to have a knack for acting. Uh, he, he's funny, but he can also play kind of a, a, the action roles, as has been proven throughout his career. Uh, but, you know, he stands out. Uh, Zoe Saldana stands out. The the kid actor, I'm an idiot for forgetting his name. It's something like Esco Bell or Esco something. He's fantastic. Jennifer Garner. Then you got Bruce Banner's in there. Um, but it, it's just a good movie. I mean, it, it feels like a an old school 80s, early 90s sci-fi action flick. Uh, there, there's definitely some hints of Star Wars in there, if not direct nods to star wars through some of the the weaponry uh but even with the sci-fi and you know the time travel the the story itself that that's where this movie shines in the end without a doubt like i said if, if if you have sons if you have daughters it doesn't matter if you had a father maybe one that you're, you're you don't have the greatest relationship with like myself i mean i haven't talked or talked to or seen my dad since august of 2021 so uh, some of those motifs were hitting for me as well. But um, it's a damn good, damn good movie out there on Netflix right now. The Adam Project, you're probably going to see it in, in your trending section or the top 10. I'd imagine most people uh, have been watching it. Uh, yeah, Bat brings up in the chat that it was directed by Sean Levy, who, uh, 
who also worked with Ryan on Free Guy. And it does sound like now these two are pairing up for Deadpool 3. So uh, the, the, the pairing of Levy and Reynolds clearly has some magic to it. So I am excited to see what they do in Deadpool. Hopefully they keep the same tone that Sony had with it before Marvel snagged that property. Because uh, I, I don't think any of us would tolerate a PG-13 Deadpool at this point in time. So there you go. Uh, just something random to, to think about. Uh, other new TV I've been watching, like I said, still going through Raised by Wolves. Need to rewatch this week's episode. I kind of dozed off a bit last night. Um, and one for, you know, those of you that might want to find a show with your ladies or if you're into period pieces, I will say, and I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to admit it, but I have been thoroughly enjoying the Gilded Age on HBO, which deals with 18th century New York City, uh, railroad tycoons, and of course, just how society used to be back then. So that, that's another winner. So there you go. I uh, don't usually like to do the bullshit segment without Nick here, but I, I, the Adam Project was just too good, and uh, I've been watching Gilded Age since uh, episode one and have found it to get better with each week. So, like I said, if you if you need something with the ladies, you've been forcing the family to watch too many uh, dad shows or man shows, the Gilded Age is not a bad period piece if you're into that type of stuff. All right. So, uh, you know, let's get into this little project that that got its first trailer last week in Kenobi. Okay. Um, You know, I I was surprised that the trailer dropped so early. I was thinking they were going to stick to the uh, cadence they they have been using, at least the one they used for the Book of Boba Fett, where we didn't get a, uh, a trailer until I think it was like seven weeks out. But hey, I'm not complaining. We got one early. We got it last week. We got the old, uh, oh, sorry, uh, Bat. Yes, I did watch Turning Red, but that's another one uh, I kind of dozed in and out, so I think I need to check that one out again. But uh, the females of House Haywood seem to enjoy it quite well. And I do like the message, at least the message I think it was trying to tell. I just need to rewatch it because it was a little later in the week that weekend evening, so I was dozing out. But anyways, let's, let's get down to it. So Obi-Wan Kenobi. All right, we got uh, the trailer. We've got stills from the trailer I'll be breaking down. I've got some guesses that I think are already being shot down, but I'll, I'll still kind of lay them out there because why not? That's what we do on one of these deep dives. Uh, but in terms of my overall reaction to the trailer, it was a thing of beauty. Uh, if you watch my breakdown, which is still out there on YouTube right now, youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show, I had to compose myself to get into the breakdown. And I know a lot of you probably feel the same way. Maybe you don't, you're not as emotional as me in my, my old age. It feels like I'm going through my male menopausal period at this point in time. But watching the trailer, knowing the timeline, knowing the characters, but more importantly, hearing the music that they chose to incorporate into the trailer, which, you know, starts out with, some Williams motif, but then crescendos into the duel of fates. It got me. I mean, it it made me feel the same way I felt watching the uh, sequel trilogy trailers for the first time. It just had that, that air of uh, magic to them that as a, you know, a little kid who's been watching this or an adult now, a 41 year old who's been watching this uh, since he was born in 80 
it just it it it, it tore me up. I mean, I wasn't like, oh, Kenobi, you're all depressed. No, it was just like, yes, these are the feelings I like from Star Wars. This is why I do the Star Wars time show. This is why I'm a nut. This is why I'm a freak and feel like I have to break down comic books that 20 people are going to watch or break down trailers that 100 people are going to watch or do a weekly podcast where, you know, a few hundreds of people will watch or listen to. It was just a thing of beauty. And I do put a lot of the credit towards John Williams. I mean, um, that guy... And I've said this multiple times, I, I truly, and I believe it even more so than now, especially when you, when you see what his music can do for a trailer like the Kenobi teaser. That guy has contributed as many feels to Star Wars as George Lucas himself. Uh, it, it's, it's not even close. And I still believe Star Wars would not be what it is today without John. So uh, having the Williams score or parts of the score set to it was fantastic. I don't think what we heard in the trailer was the theme song that John was asked to create specifically for the series. I, I think the trailer they were just borrowing from his back catalog, which we all know is huge. Um, but I don't think that was the actual, what I'm considering, or what I think they paid him to create would be the, the theme song. Kind of like they did with Ludwig for the Book of Boba Fett and then used other composers for the series episodes. So anyways, the trailer was great. It was all fun and games, and then I made the mistake of thinking that other fans would be just as excited as me. So, you know, I go online, checking out some of their, their reactions, and within like two or three swipes, what do we come across? But it's the old entitlement camp. I mean, it's almost like the make Star Wars great again faction of the fandom. And, and that's just, that's what I'm comparing you all to at this point in time. It's nothing's ever good enough. You, you always know better. You always can do better. Uh, Disney and the artists that they employ, they're all idiots. And, you know, like I said, you have that excellent trailer, the great music. You get the live action Inquisitors. You see Kenobi. You hear Vader. You get the Duel of Fates. And then what do most people want to talk about? The fucking Grand Inquisitor's head size. Already. Already. The trolls are coming out with their pitchforks and blow torches, flamethrowers, whatever you want to call it, to take this series down, to take the hardworking individuals down that worked on this night and day to let them know that, hey, from our mother's basement, we could do a better job than what you're doing as a paid employee. Yes, Trevor, the Make Star Wars Great Again crowd. Equate it to... The MAGA movement, if you will. Um, but I know all of you have seen it. Uh, we, we talked about it a bit in our Discord, which if you want to join, please do. It's open. You can find the link in our Instagram profile at Star Wars Time Show on IG. It, but it's just like, come on, really? I guess one benefit of getting the uh, Rupert Friends Grand Inquisitor in the trailer so early and seeing that his head is not a conehead shape like the cartoon. I guess it hopefully will blunt some of these people when the actual episode comes out and we can just talk about the episode and what, what was good and all, all that fun stuff versus the ire and the focus just being on his head. 
so I guess it's a good thing that we're we're getting this out of the way. Those fans, they, they've been shocked already. Their childhoods have been pissed on already. So maybe when the episode drops, we're not going to get so much vitriol thrown at the artists and the creators of Kenobi, but I doubt it. I'm sure they'll be back with their photoshops and armchair VFX edits to Rupert's head to make it longer, wider, give him yellow eyes, whatever. And I don't know. I mean, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because it's getting ridiculous in the fandom and it's, it's, it's a waste of hot air. And while I tend to have a lot of hot air, I don't like to spend it on ass wipes. So... I don't know what to tell you at this point in time. If stuff like the Inquisitor's head is enough for you to say, I'm, that's it, I'm already over Kenobi, or look at these idiots, how, how could this happen, how did he fail again? Like, I, You know what? Go wallow in your misery. Keep hate watching Star Wars. Just, I don't know, maybe I need to block more people. But it just, it, it, it gets nauseating. All the entitlements out there when it comes to these design choices. And just like with Ahsoka's shorter uh, neck tails, I'm sure there were choices that needed to be made for Rupert's costume in Kenobi, and I will take those choices for what they are. Who cares? I wasn't there. I wasn't getting paid to make the choices. I didn't have to make the choices. I just have to assume that these artists that have been working for Lucasfilm on these projects, the directors, the producers, the Dave Filonis, the Favros, I just trust that they know what they're doing and they have to make the choices they have to make. All right? It is what it is. I do not think a character's head being squattier than what you remember from an animated version of the character is a make-or-break thing for a live-action series like Kenobi. It's silly. It's silly. And it just shows you how entitled the fandom is and how many whiny babies there are. Like I said, if you don't like what they're putting out, get the fuck out of your basement and go apply at Lucasfilm to be in their concept or art departments. Go be a paid professional VFX artist. Maybe then you can have your voice heard. Versus sitting back after the fact and taking somebody's work and then adding a little Photoshop touch to it. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's frustrating. It really is. It's frustrating what this has devolved into. And I, I, I don't know. It's like... I'm a, I'm a fan of Marvel. I'm a fan of DC. I w- I'm definitely not as intense of a fan. So I don't know if 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 uh, people that are hardcore, like if there's a Marvel time show, like if, if that fandom would get equally at nuts, as nuts at some of the choices that have been made in live action Marvel, or if this is kind of a Star Wars thing. But it's, it's I don't know, it, it's getting gross. It's just, it's old. But the sad thing is, it's what people <laughs> click on. You know, it's like when people bitch about, I don't want to buy another Call of Duty or I don't want to buy another franchise game. Well, then quit buying the shit. Same concept here. If you hate all the hate, all the Star Wars nonsense, quit propping them up. Quit liking them. Quit scrolling by them on your feed because you're only telling the algorithm that you like that stuff. And we know it out there, especially in the Star Wars fandom, hate sells. 
shit sells. Being negative sells. And as much as I want to sell myself out to get some sort of movement in Star Wars fan content creation, I can't do it. Like, I can't sit there and do a video breakdown on why the Inquisitor's head is bullshit. I just can't do it because I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? I just don't care. If the story's there, it could be stick figures and I would be happy. And that is no freaking joke. Star Wars is story for me. It's always been story for me. Look where I, you know, look where it, the, the, the era I grew up in. The originals. I mean, fantastic special effects for the time. But nothing crazy. I mean, stuff that does look a little janky these days, as sacrilegious as that sounds. But it wasn't that stuff. It was the story. It was, it was Luke going off as a farm boy and becoming a hero. It was Han and Chewie and their hijinks together and the way he would talk to Leia and the way Leia would kind of play into Han's uh, way of flirting. Vader and his shit talking to his son. That, that's the stuff that I love. Not, oh, fuck. Grand Inquisitor's head isn't tall enough. Look, they did it with his kind in Revenge of the Sith with that administrator. It's like, who cares? Guess what? Not all humans look identical. Who's to say these motherfuckers can't have different shaped heads? And if we're purely going off of Star Wars Rebels where the Grand Inquisitor was introduced, then why when EW released that Vader screenshot, Vader didn't have a more angular helmet? You know what I mean? Like, come on. I know those of you diehards, this is like, you know, I'm just preaching to the choir, but, it, it, you know, something had to be said. It's, it's, it's just disgusting. It's just right to the shit talk, and so I can get some clicks. I gotta get some clicks, so look at this stupid shit. I fixed it. I'm so done with Kenobi already. Oh, you are? Yet, the next time there's a content drop, I guarantee you're gonna post it on your page guarantee it are you so done you know what fucking why don't you actually come through on all your shit talking people those of you trolls out there come through stand by your word be done with star wars save us your nonsense all right so there you go there's my little diatribe on the trailer and some of the fallout from it now Let's get into the breakdown where um, I am going to kind of comment on if some leaks have been confirmed. Uh, I believe the trailer at best was covering episode one, episode two type of content, and it definitely helped to flesh out a lot of the rumors and leaks and some of the speculations we've had. So if, if that's something you don't want to get into, even if it's just speculation based spoilers, you might want to tune out for a little bit. But uh, I'm going to do a slide-by-slide -slide breakdown, which is probably going to be a little bit different than the video breakdown I did because you know, I've had a, almost a week now to sit on it. Other things have popped up. I've had a little more time to think and put on my Star Wars speculation hat. Um, so here we go. Uh, but there are a few things that came up today I'll also mention to add a little more insights into what I think we're going to get here. But I will say, I think the trailer 100% confirms a lot of the uh, leaks we've heard about Obi's state of mind, which we got confirmed officially from Ewan. But really, wh what's going on on Tatooine and why we see him on a different planet? Uh, I, I think all that stuff has now been 
95% confirmed for the most part. All right. Yes. Thank you, Jedi Master Bane. You speak the truth. So here we go. Um, again, just some beautiful shots here right at the beginning. And, and I, I do believe the first few scenes and moments where we are getting the voiceover from uh, Kenobi. I, I think what we saw here is a day in the life of Ben Kenobi. So that, you know, the first shot of him on his Opie going across the desert, headed into, you know, I, I don't know, is this most Eisley? Maybe headed into one of the towns there on, on Tatooine. But I really think the, the first three shots of him coming in and him leading his Opie and then a shot of the market, that's motherfucker's job. Uh, I know when I did the initial breakdown, I was like, oh, yeah, it's just people in the market. This could be the market that, you know, we see the Inquisitors eventually show up and they're shaking down the denizens of this town to figure out information on a potential Jedi here. Uh, but no, I mean, this is Kenobi. He's working. Like, dude got himself a job to make some credits in between his nights in his little cave, which we did get a shot of in uh, one of the articles that, that popped up. And I, I guess I probably should talk about those too, and I will. But I, I do believe that the, the first through few scenes, yes, Bat from the live stream, I, I do think he is. He's, he's like some sort of junk cleaner, kind of like Ray in, in The Force Awakens. He, he's working at someone's shop, either bringing stuff to sell or cleaning stuff to sell. So he's, he's full-on scavenger Kenobi at this point in time, which again is clearly leading into his mindset which we speculated on we've learned through leaks that it's not good i mean it, during these opening moments of the trailer you could say this is depressed kenobi uh he's he's had no interaction with luke he lives in a cave he scavenge he he doesn't really have that that feeling of hope that you would think a jedi would have he is beaten just like he says and again, I think these quotes are going to that Jedi we've discussed, Nare, or Nari, when he says, the fight is done, lost, stay hidden. I, I think those are the lines that he speaks to this Nari Jedi that we've heard in the leaks who does end up finding Kenobi based on Kenobi's holocron message warning from Revenge of the Sith. And Kenobi not wanting to be found out and, again, having zero hope essentially tells him, like, listen, I'm not, I'm not Kenobi, but I am Kenobi, and you just need to give up. We blew it. The Jedi are gone. The Empire is won. Stay hidden to stay alive. All right, so uh, the first three scenes there, I think that's just a quick snap, a day in the life of depressed Kenobi's um, affairs that he gets into. And then the final one there, the final shot we can see. And if you're on the live stream, I have the screens pulled up. If not, you can uh, check out the post in the podcast version of the, show, of the show as well. So he's leaving after a hard day's work, headed back to his cave, which we did get to see. Uh, we then got a, a cool few shots of Ben's cave, Obi-Wan's cave. And I, what I brought up in my breakdown from last week, I find it interesting that he is so close to the Lars homestead. Uh, it seems like his cave's front door is right there. Uh, I mean, we don't know 
how far it is, you know, I mean, how many miles or whatever the hell they, they measure units of. I don't think we'd be using parsecs on land, although I guess you could if it was far enough. Um, but I was, I was surprised that he is this close, but I guess I shouldn't be. I mean, he still needs the macros to really check in, but I guess you don't want to be too far away in case something does happen. Uh, otherwise, we, we can't really rely on his Jedi flash speed because we haven't seen him use it since The Phantom Menace. Uh, but I did think it was interesting that he's, he's pretty close to the Lars homestead. And sure enough, he's a creep. You know, he's, he's like a, a, a creeping Tom here. He's got the macros out. He's checking on the homestead. It looks very familiar to what we know of it. You know, it, it's definitely correct based on what we've seen from A New Hope. You got the kind of the bunker down there. You got the hovel where they live. You got that circular thing. I don't know. Maybe that's where they store water. You have all the uh, moisture evaporators over there. But really, one of the best parts of the trailer is the fact that they showed young Luke so early. And the little kid is straight up without even, probably without even knowing it. I don't know how he could unless, you know, maybe his parents or Owen and Baru used to tell him tales of his father and how he used to pod race. But to me, it looks like he's, he's straight up doing his best shadow pod racing. It even looks like he has his father's pod racing goggles on, for Christ's sakes. It, it was just fantastic to see him there on the hovel, you know, kind of like, yeah, now this is pod racing, just like my father before me, that type of stuff. And, you know, you know Obi-Wan was probably sitting there going like, oh, no. Not another one of these pathetic life forms as he's watching on. Um, but really, I, I, I loved all those opening moments, just setting up Kenobi as just this regular denizen of Tatooine who's got a little job, goes to market, maybe sells some of the stuff he's scavenged. And then outside of that, he's either sleeping or watching over the Lars homestead. All right. So... Um, we then kind of move into the darker tones or the dark side of the trailer and we get some pretty cool payoff for fans of Jedi Fallen Order and Star Wars Rebels and that's just all the live action Inquisitor stuff we got to see starting with none other than Fortress Inquisitorious. Yes, the same location featured from Jedi Fallen Order. And this is where we start getting some of the quotes from Rupert Friend's Grand Inquisitor. Uh, I've actually learned a lot of people haven't, they're not familiar with Rupert Friend. I mean, I'd say his biggest movie role was probably playing Hitman in Hitman 47. But he had a recurring role in probably one of his best roles where you can really see his, his acting skills in Homeland the first few seasons. So if you're wondering who this Rupert Friend is playing the too small-headed Grand Inquisitor. Uh, Homeland's probably one of his um, better reels in terms of showing off what he can do. I, I think he's going to be just great for the role. But anyways, uh, as some of these Inquisitor scenes kick in, we get some quotes here, and he says, The key to hunting Jedi is patience. Jedi cannot help what they are. Their compassion leaves a trail. The Jedi code is like an itch. It cannot help it. Essentially setting up why the Inquisitors exist, why they hunt Jedi, and how they're able to find them. I mean, he's telling the audience, at least those that don't know what Inquisitors are or what's going on, that, hey, 
We hunt Jedi, and it's, it's pretty easy to do because they can't help being themselves. They can't help helping others. They can't help having compassion. And that type of stuff leaves a trail to their location. So I, I, I really like that dialogue and how he is um, setting it up here. All right, and the fact that we got Fortress Inquisitorious. So here's the shot that got everyone kind of blowing their gaskets, or at least those that just can't help themselves and want to be out there like, look, this is not the way it looked like in animation. Like, okay, we get it. But we do get a shot front on of Rupert Friend's Grand Inquisitor, and I think he looks just fine. Yeah, I, I could argue maybe the yellow eyes would have been a nice bump, but the, but the head thing, I literally... It was nothing that affected me, but I'll tell you what, I, I'm not going to lie. When I saw it, I was like, uh-oh, I bet this is going to elicit a reaction from those that, you know, didn't like Ahsoka's head tails or, or other animation to live action transitions. But in terms of this scene, this is definitely going down on Tatooine during the shakedown that we have heard about. Now, remember, the Inquisitors end up on Tatooine because they're tracking a Jedi there. That Jedi is not Kenobi. So while they're there, they, they start shaking down the citizens, and they're doing it in a pretty brutal fashion. So I, I believe this is part of those um, interrogations. You know, There's a Jedi. You know there is. You've seen one. Where is he? Tell me. Tell me or I'll kill you. Stuff like that. Um, all right. And then we, you know, we kind of go back to Kenobi and his uh, depressed life. Remember, I mean, this, this came from the article. Ewan himself said, Obi-Wan is lost. He's a broken man after what happened with the Jedi Order at the end of Episode 3, but also what happened with Anakin. That he lost him to the dark side. He feels an enormous amount of responsibility for that. Okay? Anyone else want to challenge me on Kenobi failing with Anakin like you were trying to do last week? Anyone? Any takers out there? You and himself, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Mr. Hello there, is telling us that, yes, Obi-Wan feels like a failure because of Anakin. And for those keeping score, just a reminder, in Revenge of the Sith, he set, tells Anakin directly, I have failed you, Anakin. I have failed you. So, yes, your poster boy, one of the greatest Jedi of all, is a failure in some aspects. And unfortunately, those aspects were pretty major ones in his journey. But anyways, I, I am in the breakdown here. I, I think he, this train or tram or whatever he is on, he's headed off planet. Now, this ties into, again, some of the leaks that we've been discussing on the show and the fact that he has to leave the planet, not only because the Inquisitors are turning up the heat on Tatooine, and he doesn't want that to spill over into Luke and get Luke caught, but he has to help out Bail Organa with one Princess Leia. The other interesting thing of note, apparently the, um, and I don't have a screenshot of it, but the, the city in the distance that you can see in this scene as the train is approaching, that is more than likely going to be Anchorhead. All right, we've heard about it multiple times. It was discussed in the Book of Boba. Hell, it was discussed in A New Hope. And it looks like we're finally going to get to see it in person when Obi-Wan travels there to leave Tatooine for at least one other planet, which we learned about, is going to be called Dayu. 
D-A-I-Y-U, Dayu. That's the one with all the neon lights, probably the Space Reno that we discussed a few weeks back with some of the leaks here. All right. So the next interesting shot we got also caused me a little bit of concern because I, I couldn't figure out who one of the Inquisitors were. And it's a shot of what has to be inside um, Fortress Inquisitorius. Looks like one of the underwater sections here, and it, it has to be like an Inquisitor meeting room. You know, maybe this is where they have their staff meetings every week to talk about who they're going to murder next. But in the shot, I mean, you clearly have Reva played by Moses Ingram, who we now know for sure, this is confirmed from StarWars.com, that Reva or Reva is the third sister. Then uh, the, with the back facing us, that's definitely the fifth, pro fifth brother. That's Sung Kang's character. But there's this other Inquisitor in there, and it's a female, and she's wearing like this skull cap, and there's these little tendrils coming out, but they're not, uh, they're, they're not like twilight tendrils. They almost look like squid arms. And for the life of me, I can't figure out who it is. It is a new Inquisitor. Uh, she hasn't been featured in any of the other Star Wars properties, no other comics, no other uh, cartoons, games, you name it. And in my breakdown, I kind of brought up a grid of all the named Inquisitors. You know, starting with, uh, th there's not even a first brother, but there's also not a first sister. So I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this could be the first sister or it would have to be like up there, you know, 12 or 13th or 14th because uh, second sister was covered in Fallen Order. Third sister is Reva. Fourth sister, I believe, came from a comic. Then you have fifth brother, sixth brother, uh, seventh sister, maybe. She was in Rebels. Ninth sister, she's in Fallen Order. So... I don't know. We're going to see her again here in a few more slides, but <coughs> I failed you all. I failed you all and Anakin because I, I just, it has to be a brand new Inquisitor. Uh, but if I had to take a guess, like I said, there is no first sister or first brother, so maybe they could take that. Otherwise, this one's probably going to be numbered up into the uh, 12 or teens and beyond. All right, so we, uh, the trailer shifted back to Tatooine, and we see boots hanging from the sky, which means someone got taken out, and they're being put on display in it as a form of shock and awe. And if, again, if you've been following along with the leaks, this could quite possibly be Nari the Jedi, because we learned either last week or two weeks ago that after Obi-Wan essentially tells them to piss off and stay hidden, uh, they can't win, uh, he eventually gets taken out by the Inquisitors, and as Obi-Wan is leaving planet, he comes across a display with the purpose of, you know, warning both citizens and any other Jedi on planet, like, like, don't mess with us. We know there's something up here on Tatooine. Look what we did to this Jedi. Don't mess with the best. All right, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out and speculate that this could be the Jedi, or it could just be uh, one of the most icely citizens or whatever town this is on Tatooine, one of them that the, the Inquisitors roughed up real bad to make a point to just the citizens. Uh, but either way, it kind of lines up with what we've been hearing through some of the Leakiverse. And here she is. There is Reva Reva. Still haven't gotten actual pronunciation. Those of you in the live stream, what, what are we thinking? Is, is this a Reva or is it a Reva? Anybody want to want to comment on that while I, while I keep 
just shooting the shit here. But here she is. I, I like the shot because we get to see her lightsaber hilt. She's one of the only Inquisitors, at least the ones that were featured in the trailer, that is not using a circular lightsaber, which is interesting. Uh, because for the most part, I believe they've all used that circular saber. Um, I don't know. I mean, I there's a part of me that, that feels like Reva could be something special in terms of not only standing out in the series, but kind of leaving a mark in this timeline and for Kenobi in particular. I would have to guess she's not going to make it out of this series. Because, you know, by the time the Inquisitors are, are were first introduced during the Rebels, Reva, Reva, Reva. So um, she, she, she's not around when the Inquisitors are, are hunting Ezra and Kanan. Uh, and especially when they're hunting Maul in, in the next season and still Ezra and Kanan. So uh, there, there's a part of me thinking that, that this character was specifically created for Kenobi to create... In an initial kind of antagonist amongst the Inquisitors, someone that would challenge him. But ultimately, I, I feel like her and Kenobi are going to duel and he's going to take her out and that's going to be the end of her. But also the way that she's been kind of hyped and pumped up, like, you know, even Moses herself is like, yeah, you know, she's all dark side, all this, but it's with heart. Like she's got heart. And I don't know. I think there could also be a twist involved with Reva where, you know, she eventually corners Kenobi, and right when you think they're going to duel, she lets him go, and then she gets taken out by the Inquisitors or Vader herself for her incompetence. Either way, I think she's going to leave a mark more than just being lightsaber fodder for Kenobi or even her own faction to make a point. I don't know. I just, I just feel like something she's going to say or do is going to have a little more meaning beyond just being a Jedi hunter. But who knows? Uh, you know, like Bat saying here in the live stream, she could very well die by Vader's hands too. And, and I'm with you there, Bat. I, I'm thinking if it's not Kenobi that's going to take her out, it could very well be Vader for the reasons I just laid out. Maybe she's ultimately good. And when she does track down Kenobi, which I think she does in this trailer, I'll talk about that scene soon, that uh, she pays the ultimate price or the iron price as they say in Game of Thrones. All right, so just a continuation of this interrogation scene. We have learned that Reva will be the one doing a lot of the talking and the brutalizing, and that's because on Tatooine, even though they, they know that Nare is there, she also starts telling the Grand Inquisitor, and I'm guessing the fifth brother is going to be there too, like, listen, I sense Kenobi. I sense Kenobi. And, and Grand Inquisitor is like, screw you. You don't have a grand in front of your name. You just have a number. You're clearly not as in tune to the force as I am. So you're an idiot. At which point she goes around and takes out that frustration on the citizens, which Owen witnesses. And to him, it just reinforces the fact that Kenobi is bad news on the planet and being Luke's protector. And he needs to get the hell out of here. And uh, I will say, I think Joel Edgerton depending on how much screen time they give him, it could steal the show. I mean, just this shot of him making a, a concerned face shows you this dude's acting skills. Uh, I mean, this guy, when he was first in Star Wars, was just kind of starting out. Since then, he's gone on to do all sorts of roles, different types of roles, you know, being like manly men to just regular men, dads. He's just got it. And I, I think 
the the interactions between him and Obi-Wan are going to be choice early on in this series and really kind of lay down the gr- the groundwork for why Lars was such a curmudgeon in A New Hope when it came to Obi-Wan and and Luke having any sort of association with him. You know, that damn that damn full wizard. That type of stuff. So I don't know. I, I'm I'm glad that they were able to get him back and Bonnie, it, just for continuity's sake. But I, I do think Joel Edgerton is a, a juggernaut in the acting space. Uh, all right. So uh, some of the other shots, like when when we made it to this planet with all the neon. Again, that is Dayu, and that's confirmed. That came out in the EW report. Uh, but you can see here, it's it's Reva. She's tracking, more than likely tracking Kenobi. Because if we go back, and yeah, I do have a little more insights because of stuff I read and some of the leaks I get into. They are on this planet, more than likely, after they've tracked Obi-Wan there, who we know is there to do a job for Bail Organa. If you can put two and two together, Bail Organa, Obi-Wan Kenobi leaving Tatooine, yes. He's on this planet to rescue a young Princess Leia. This is more than likely that space Reno that we first talked about when we heard the leak about the whole Leia subplot anyways. And uh, Reva is up on the rooftops, more than likely tracking him after all hell breaks loose, which I think we got to see a little bit of it in some of the the gunshots and the the running around scenes, the the stormtrooper scenes on this planet. Uh, Let's just say his rescue is is probably not going to go perfectly, and the Empire is going to get wind of it. Here she is again, just looking down into this. And Dayu was described by uh, the official team here as, as kind of like a Hong Kong-like city, that type of vibe. So that's where the neon's coming in. And uh, I think some of you, at least in the Discord, you're like, a lot of this looks like the, the, that Underworld show, the, the Star Wars Underworld show that Lucas you know, had 50 scripts for and, and did a lot of pre-production, but ultimately scrapped. And uh, I'm not going to deny it, even though those were meant to be on Coruscant. All this stuff is coming from Dayu. All right. Then we get the old Inquisitor ship. And just based on location, this is more than likely their arrival on Tatooine, which is going to happen probably in Episode 1, middle of the way. Uh, I don't think it's going to make it into Episode 2, but this is them showing up in Tatooine to start uh, kicking ass, taking names, and removing body parts from people that don't give them answers they want to hear. All right, we got a quick shot of, uh, what's her name? Erdina Varma. Excuse me if I butchered that. And we knew from over the summer when a shot of her leaked being in an Imperial officer's uniform. But after seeing her, just the way she carried herself in this trailer, I'm going with, I think that this, this is a fake out. I think she's going to be on the side of good and she more than likely has infiltrated the Empire. Because when you see her walking out of whatever ship she was coming out of or wherever she's walking to, it didn't have that air of cockiness that you usually see in an Imperial officer where they're, they're confident in who they are and the choices they made in life. She seems to be on edge as if something's going down that she shouldn't be doing. So... I do believe Varma here is probably going to be playing a a good character versus a full-on Imperial. And and that, again, was just based on the way she was walking in this scene. She just 
seemed very tense. Like she knew something shitty was about to go down or she was about to do something very dangerous that could get her killed. So I'm thinking even though she's got the uh, the right garb, she's probably on Team Light. All right, so the trailer went on and we, we went back to this planet. And this is Dayu again. And now we can see that new Inquisitor. And like I said, she's got this headpiece, but then all these little tendrils coming out of her head. So not a Twi'lek, a different sort of alien species. Uh, but clearly an Inquisitor, just don't know her name or her number. But it looks like even on this planet, the Empire is going to have a, a heavy presence and it appears they're, they're lining people up and starting to ask questions. More than likely about whatever event Obi-Wan gets himself mixed up on this planet while trying to rescue young Leia. Jedi Master Bane asks in the live stream, will Varma be more like Callus or a rebel undercover? That's a great question. I'm going to go with just a rebel undercover versus Callus, who, you know, kind of did the long game and eventually uh, decided to fight for the, the, the good side. But that is a, that's a good observation, Jedi Master Bane. All right. So uh, within the trailer, we're, we're still on this Dayu planet. You had that Inquisitor seemingly shaking people down and now you can see Kenobi in one of his disguises which quite frankly is a in my opinion a horrible disguise for a Jedi I mean it's it's essentially his robe with the with the sleeves cut up a little bit and he's kind of wearing a you know like a solid shirt versus a tunic but there you can see there's a little bit of a tunic underneath it but it looks like he's on this planet kind of observing the Inquisitors and the Empire doing their thing, shaking people down, questioning, um, probably trying to figure out his escape plan, or this is before everything, uh, or as they like to say, the, the Bantha Poodoo hits the fan for him, and things get a little dire. All right, so we, in the trailer, it curiously focused on this droid, and if you're on the live stream, you can see it right now. I mean, it's, it looks like it has a K2SO chassis, but a different type of head. It is a different looking droid than we've seen in past Star Wars. And for the fact that it, it just hovered over the droid for so long, I was like, you know what? This, this could be an important character. So in my initial breakdown, I threw out, you know what? I'm just going to say it. I'm going to go out on that Star Wars speculation limb and just predict that this is who Kamal Nanjiani is playing. Uh, we know through the rumor mill and other leaks, as well as, you know, some things he said himself, he is playing a, a, a stereotypical Star Wars character, one we've seen in other projects, but he said that it was going to be an atypical portrayal. So we were like, hey, he could kind of be like the Han Solo type, uh, you know, the roguish type where you, you don't really know, are they good? Are they bad? Are they a, a, a scoundrel? A nerf herder. But I was like, you know, he could also be a droid because that's another stereotypical Star Wars character that's in almost every Star Wars property. And for the fact that the trailer focused on a droid, just a droid for so long, I was like, you know what? This could be Kumal. And then today I read a report from Making Star Wars that said, yeah, we don't think Kumal is a droid. More than likely that roguish type. Uh, but they did, uh, MSW didn't give it 100%, so who knows? I guess I'll, I'll roll with it, but it, it does 
seem like, hey, if you're going to cast Kumal for a character, especially after he got all diced up, uh, they probably let him have his face on screen. Um, yeah, and, and that, again, in the leak, we, we did learn that Kumal's character is going to be a contact that Kenobi interacts with. It's either a, an old contact of his or a contact of Bail Organa's. And when Bail comes and gets Kenobi from his uh, depression hotel on Tatooine, this is who I'm assuming he asked him to contact on Dayu. Uh, so is it this droid? I don't know. I mean, MSW is pretty spot on with the leaks, so it's, it's probably not. I just found it curious that the, the droid got this much FaceTime in a trailer. And then just the, the, the shot behind it. It's like, is that a stormtrooper butt? Is that the droid's butt? It looks like a droid hand. What is it holding? I don't know. It was, it was just the way they decided to edit this part in the trailer just kind of stood out like they're, they're trying to tell us something about this droid. So who knows? If it's Kumal, you can send me all the trophies and medals. If it's not, you, everyone can go piss off. Okay. Here's another one of the shots that got all the... Uh, the the Maswaga fans upset, and this is the Inquisitor. He pulled out the uh, the old uh, rotating lightsaber, like, "Hey, where is he?" And I do believe this is taking place on Dayu here. Uh, so they know Kenobi's there, and they're trying to track him down. And they're more than likely going to fail, which is why the big guy, the man in black, Darth Vader himself, is more than likely, based on leaks and rumors, going to take over the reins of the hunt for Kenobi by the time episode three rolls around. Uh, I, I really like this shot of Dayu, the one where we have uh, the fifth brother played by Sun Kang walking with a platoon of stormtroopers. So as I've been saying, on this planet, Obi-Wan's there. The Inquisitors are more than likely there because they either had a tip that a Jedi's on planet or that Kenobi himself is on planet, the big fish. So... um it seems like there's, they're, they're going to have a lot of forces here looking for the, the Jedi they are hunting, more than likely Kenobi. I mean, we know Reva's there. We know the Grand Inquisitor's there. We know the Fifth Brother's there. The other Inquisitor girl with the, with the wieners coming out of her head are, are there as well. Uh, so this is probably going to be a, a fairly big action moment, chase scene, uh, after what we, we have to speculate is Kenobi saving Leia not doing it as ninja-like as he wants to, getting everyone kind of wound up, alarms going off, the Empire going crazy, um, but they'll probably still make it off-planet. Uh, all right, I'm checking out some of the, uh, well, Contra time. Just looking at some of the live stream comments here since Nick's not here. It gives me some things to focus on. Uh, we have Jared Middleton up in here, Sir Dork. I've seen a lot of people say there is blue on the trooper's butt. Thinking it's Rex 501 armor. Sounds like hopeful thinking. Yeah, you know, I just... I don't see any place for Rex in this series. It, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, like Cody in a flashback? Sure. Let's get Tem in there. Let, you know, let's throw some hair back on that lovely bald skull. Um, but I, I don't see a reason for Rex. And, and also talk about some of the speculation I've seen on on this alleyway scene coming up and just people are way far off. Like I, you know, I'm an asshole. We all know this, uh, but I'm a decent asshole when it comes to kind of predicting fake stuff and the, the, the plots that play out in said fake stuff. 
just based on what I know and, and kind of what makes sense. And I, I just, I don't see a Captain Rex making too much sense for Kenobi. Uh, flashback with Anakin, sure. Cody, flashback with Kenobi, 100%, give it to me. That stuff makes sense, but Kenobi just kind of randomly running into Rex on this Dayu planet, I don't know. I don't know. I just, it doesn't line up to me. It does not line up to me. And yes, I agree, Sir Dork. I would not be mad if it showed up, but I just, uh, narratively, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, Bat, I'll, I'll address that Cad Bane stuff because I'm sure you saw that too. And that's just like way the far, way, way out there in left field, in my opinion. All right, so this shot here of these two little pods, to me, these are escape pods. They look very similar to the, uh, or the ship that Yoda was given on Kashyyyk at the end of Revenge of the Sith to get the hell out of Dodge. But I, I'm, I'm guessing here that this could very well be Obi-Wan in one pod and Princess Leia in the other. And they're getting, this is after the rescue mission, and now they're kind of going their, their separate waves. Uh, that's just, that's my guess. In, unless this is a flashback to when Obi-Wan and Yoda left the Tantive Three, um, but who knows? So I'm thinking the, these are definitely pods of some sort, more than likely escape pods or personal pods. Uh, you know, they, they drop them off at people's houses and they load them up with trash and then they take them away, stuff like that. But uh, if, if this is present timeline, I'm thinking this is probably Obi-Wan and Leia making their escape from Dayu and going back to where they need to go to. All right. So we got another shot here of, uh, looks like, Reva terrorizing those on Mos Eisley. So this is going to be a big moment in the early episodes, probably episode one. And again, just for those that haven't been listening or paying attention, the Inquisitors are on planet because they've tracked the Jedi there, and that Jedi is not Kenobi. When they begin questioning the citizens of more than likely most icely about said Jedi, Reva thinks she can sense Kenobi. This gets her in trouble with the Grand Inquisitor, and then she really starts to pop off and brutalize the people. You can see she's got her lightsaber whipped out. Uh, she's been rumored to hack some legs off, some hands off, possibly hang people. Uh, but they're, they're not going to be nice. And all this is kind of shock and awe for both the viewers, which is us, and for Owen Lars. Just to reinforce in his mind that having Obi-Wan Kenobi, a former Jedi, on planet when there's Jedi hunters in the galaxy probably isn't the best idea, which helps narratively explain why it is okay for Kenobi to leave Tatooine, even though he's supposed to be watching Luke Skywalker. So I, I do think the story and bringing Nare there, and, and Owen seeing all this uh, brutal behavior by the Inquisitors is, is perfect for justifying Kenobi leaving Tatooine. All right, and uh, this scene here, I know it's like, I think that's Reva's hands, and I know some people are like, that, that looked like a Jedi symbol etched on the wall. I think this is just a continuation of the moment we're about to see next where she's on Dayu in an alleyway about to approach who I'm guessing is Kenobi. So this is the scene in particular where I've seen a lot of people just have some wild guesses on who this character is. So if you're not on the live stream, let me try to set it up to you. In the trailer, it's kind of, it builds up to 
Reva's looking for someone, more than likely Kenobi, and then she runs into someone in an alley. So we see her in an alley, and then we see the back of the person. The person's holding a blaster and has some baggy clothes. I've seen people out there saying this is Cad Bane. Wrong. I've seen people call it Han Solo. Wrong. I've seen some people speculate it could be Hondo. Wrong. While all those characters would be cool, and I guess technically they, they would fit in this timeline, you, you got to think about, does it fit? Does that character make sense in this moment? Han Solo showing up in an alleyway to confront an Inquisitor. No. Hondo showing up in an alleyway to confront an Inquisitor. No. Even though Hondo and Obi-Wan kind of had a, 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 you know, a, a play around type of relationship, it's not going to happen. Uh, Han Solo, no way. It makes absolutely zero sense. It's not Han Solo. There's, there's no reason for it. The character you see, my friends, is Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's easy. I mean, the, the, the trailer gives as much away. I mean, there's scenes, uh, I think one of the end scenes, he's on a roof in a freaking shootout. I mean, he, he, we know he's going to have a gun. He's also not going to be running around Dayu with his lightsaber hanging out. Not in this timeline, not with Inquisitors. All right? it, it's not Cassian either. Like, and I'm not trying to be an asshole to all these people speculating. I mean, that's what I do. But I'm one of the best. No, I'm just kidding. It's, it just, things have to make sense. I think we've seen this at this point in time, especially in these live-action TV series. They're not just going to throw in characters to do it. They have to make sense. And to me, it's Kenobi. And, and this could very well be the meeting where we learn that all her aggression towards the Jedi and Kenobi and all that shit, it was just a ruse. And he's either going to get away from her here or they're going to have a conversation where he walks away. But I'm going with the, this, this alleyway scene is between Obi-Wan Kenobi with a gun in his hand and Reva. It's also going to play on just his aversion to using blasters anyway. So I think this whole episode's probably going to have a lot of hijinks about Obi-Wan having to use a blaster. And we know he hates them because they're uncivilized. That's why it makes sense to be Kenobi, not any of the other people. All right? So remember... If you're out there on a new trailer drop day and you're seeing all this random speculation, come to your dude first. Right here. SWTS. If there's anything I can say that we do averagely, it's speculation wins. Okay? Not too bad at it. We've got some great predictions that hit. With no knowledge. The only knowledge is my knowledge of Star Wars and what I think works based on what has been given to us by those creating Star Wars. And I do believe Bat is correct. I think this is either where Reva dies at the hands of Kenobi, or like I said, she lets him go and earns her death at the hands of Darth Vader. And then he'll kind of pick up the slack, and that's when Vader will become the main antagonist, as he is rumored to be for the final three or the final four episodes, that is. All right, so hopefully that clears some things up for you. Feel free to go back to those other people and tell them they are wrong and that I am right and explain why. Give them the link, starwarstime.net. There's always time for Star Wars time.
Okay, we all know the pitch at this point in time. Uh, yeah, so like I said, here on the rooftops, we had a little shootout. Kenobi's involved in the shootout. So yes, he has a blaster. And no, those were not Ahsoka's Morai that flew out. First off, she has one of those owls, Morai. That's it. Not, not a whole batch of them. And I know they kind of look like that same species, um, but it's, it's not her owl. And no, I don't think Ahsoka is on this planet. Ahsoka is another character. Like, I get it. Would be nice, but I, I just, she's not needed at this timeline. Just not needed. Plain and simple. We don't need it. Don't need it. All right. And then the last shot of the trailer, and this is uh, supposedly when uh, Obi Wan starts getting a little of his hope back. Uh, but what is he looking at here? I don't know. I like to guess. Like, what, what do we think he was looking at? And then he looked up, and that was the end of the trailer. Was he looking at his own saber? Is he looking at Anakin's saber that he wants to give to young Luke so bad? Is he thinking about the adventures he was just on and how he has renewed hope and he's ready to actually get down to business and train and become more powerful than Darth Vader could ever imagine? Who knows? But that's how it ended, and that ends my, bre my breakdown take two. Since I did the video breakdown, now I did this long-winded one. So who knows? Like I said, I, I think that's Kenobi in the alleyway. I, I'm still sticking with it, even though MSW is usually right, and they're saying Kumal is not playing the droid. I just, I just thought this droid, there was a little too much focus on it to just be kind of a throwaway droid, but I could be fooled. I, that wouldn't be the first time. Um, but it was good. It, I think it was a great first look. It was an early first look, which means there is a chance we may get a full trailer because this was still just considered a tease. Uh, so we may get a full trailer at this point versus just a bunch of 30-second social media spots or TV ads. Uh, but I, I, I think the trailer did its work. Not that, not that it really needed to do every, any heavy lifting for um, someone like myself or those of you that may be diehard listeners of the SWTS. Uh, but I, I think for those that aren't knee-deep in the Star Wars universe on a daily basis, it was a, it was a good, good first look. And I think it got a lot of people hopeful for May 25. Still not happy that the first episode drops the first week of my two-week beach vacation, but uh, I'll deal with it. You never know. Maybe I'll get some therapy by then and, and kind of give up on the idea that if I don't get out a breakdown of a Star Wars episode right away, that my life will end and no one will like me anymore. That's where it's at. Like, I'm not kidding. There, there is a point... Uh, to where my Star Wars fandom, it gets to where I literally feel like the show will lose all its fans, never be listened to again, if I don't cover stuff in a timely fashion. Pretty fucking sick, right? I mean, that's how disturbed my Star Wars mind is. But hey, it is what it is at this point in time, my friends. Not sure that's ever going to change. All right, so we got a bunch more official Kenobi stuff to get into, as well as some more um, kind of slight leakish stuff, so hopefully you're still along for the ride here. I did kind of skip over the first EW article uh, that had some of the uh, official shots. I, I don't think there's really any we need to go through here uh, that would provide any new insights. I mean, the, the only one that would be cool to kind of look at and talk about is the cave shot 
where he does. I mean, he just he looks like a, a homeless person. He does not look like he's doing well. And I think talking with our buddy Tones, that shot in particular, I guess I should just pull it up and not be a lazy asshole. Uh, that shot in particular, it does seem like Kenobi like woke up from a dream or maybe heard something in the forest calling out to him. Let me see if I can dig it up here while I'm vamping. Super professional here. I also want to pull up some Vader quotes because I got. I just want to remind everyone that a lot of the quotes in A New Hope were kind of broken when Revenge of the Sith happened. So I don't want. There's some people out there like I don't. I don't know about this Kenobi. I don't want to see Vader. It's going to break A New Hope for me. I. I. I think there's there's a lot of escape hatches. Let me see here. Where is this post? La di do da di. This is where I need Fred to play some music here. All right, here we go. All right, so we got the cover there. Man, look at Ewan. What a sexy guy. Although I'd still argue his, his secret Jedi garb is not secret in the least. I mean, he could at least change colors like Luke did and went with, you know, like a navy blue or something. But no, he just, he's like, eh, no one will notice. It's been 10 years. And I let my hair grow out a little bit. He's kind of, you know, everyone notice Kenobi is, his hair at least, is it's like a hybrid of Mollet Kenobi and Rot's Kenobi. So in his isolation, he's decided to kind of let that party in the back come out again. I don't know, maybe him and some Jawas are hanging out, having a good time, calling up old Pelimoto, bring her boyfriend over, have a little party in the cave, Jawa style. You just don't know. Um, but yeah, real quickly here. Uh, that cave shot. Yeah, so I was talking to Tones. It, it looks like he he was kind of awoken from something. And and I'm thinking it, this is more than likely going to be after he had a flashback uh, to a good time with Anakin. And then, you know, maybe it flashes to him killing him. And, and that's what wakes him up. And Because he, it sounds like just based on some of the interviews, he, he's clearly hyper-focused on his failure with Anakin and letting him go to the dark side. Uh, I, I still... The thing I want to know, and any of you live streamers, feel free to chime in, because I think I asked this last week too. What do we think Kenobi thinks about Vader? Um, I would have to think 10 years in, he's even in his isolation, even just casual conversation from passerbys when he's scavenging parts, he's probably heard about a Darth Vader terrorizing the galaxy my question is does he put two and two together and figure out that this vader could be the same lord vader that he faced as anakin skywalker on mustafar or is he thinking that you know the the emperor might be trying to trick everyone by by bringing out this vader in a suit and it's not actually anakin i I just want to know like do we think at this point in the timeline even before Vader and Kenobi start to interact in the Kenobi series, do we think that Obi-Wan has an idea that Anakin is Darth Vader? Because if you remember back to Rebels and the way Ahsoka kind of handles it, and, and she was even further removed than Kenobi, but not much. I mean, Kenobi left him in a burning pile of flesh next to a lava river. He, he expected him to be dead. Ahsoka only felt his betrayal through the Force in the Clone Wars. But by the time Star Wars Rebels comes around, and we see her interacting with the Rebels, but then Vader, I believe there's a scene where Vader shows up in his tie. 
and Ahsoka kind of gets the heebie-jeebies like, I, I, I know that presence, but I don't want to know it because if I give in to letting myself know who that is, the, d- the depression of that reality may be too much. And then ultimately in her fight with Vader in Rebels when she cracks his mask, I think that's when she gets 100% picture proof like, yes, this is him. So do we think Kenobi is kind of approaching it like Ahsoka where deep down he knows it's Anakin, but he doesn't want to believe it yet until he gets, you know, a picture perfect proof? Or does he think this Vader character is some machination the Emperor has found after he supposedly killed Anakin? This is where Nick would come in handy here. So let me let me go to the uh, chat here. Kenobi has survivor's guilt. I agree. So we're getting perfected chaos saying, how does he know Vader is Anakin too? Well, if you remember back to Revenge of the Sith, I'm almost positive in the hollow videos that they're looking at that he hears Sidious say, rise Lord Vader. So that, that's, that's, and I could be wrong. I'm, I'm stretching here. So it's like he, that's where he would have at least seen the association with the name Vader to Anakin Skywalker. All right. Um, so Bat is saying, I think they discover each other during the series. He knows of him, but Haunter been close, but hasn't been close enough to tell. He probably has nightmares that make him suspicious. Yeah. So it, it sounds like the live streamers, they're, they're kind of like me. And I think it is going to be more similar to how Ahsoka handled the, the the concept of vader in star wars rebels where she didn't know for sure but she sensed enough through the force when that character was around that she knew but it took fighting him and seeing his actual face for her to finally accept the fact that oh fuck it really is him this is anakin this this was my master this was the guy that i learned everything from and, and how to be a jedi and he's Darth fucking Vader. And, and I think I'm, I'm hoping that we get something similar for Obi-Wan where, you know, deep down he's got to have an idea. You got this Dark Lord of the Sith who's using the Vader name, going around terrorizing the galaxy. Uh, people talk about him, how he's got kind of the, the wizard magic. He's got to have an idea. But I, I think like Ahsoka, he does want to believe it. But it, it does sound like through their battles, he is going to find that out and and that's gonna kind of be the hey i gotta take this dude out i failed the first time i can't fail again look what he has turned into look what he has done for the past 10 years my failure is even greater now than i could have possibly imagined um so thank you live streamers for a a sounding board there It, it helps with that type of stuff all right so uh this is gonna be a forever cast isn't it where are we at oh my god Got to move along here a little. Move along. Move along. Okay, so um, that, that was the one EW article that kind of, that was the opening salvo in the, hey, Kenobi's here, and we're ready to start promoting it uh, attack that happened last week. Uh, but a day later, we got our first look at Vader. And we all know on this show that uh, I am a Vader homeboy. You know, I ride or die for Vader. He's my number one. Uh, even though they, they kind of fucked him a little bit with how Anakin fell to the dark side in the prequels, he, he still is my guy, all right? 
So I loved getting a shot of Vader here. And it, it was a great shot. I mean, he's in his uh, meditation chamber room, more than likely on Mustafar. It looks very similar to the room we saw him featured in in Rogue One. Looks like he's just getting out of his bath, smelling all funky fresh. You know, he probably, you know, what do you think Vader scent is? A little burnt electronics with some grease, maybe. Maybe a, a hint of rotting flesh. But he's looking all, all suave here, like a pimp. Uh, but really, the, uh, the fun part of this article, it, it, was, it was kind of a know-nothing article, but it was nice to kind of hear Hayden talking about returning really for the first time since we knew he was coming back. But all he would let loose is, we're going to see a very powerful Vader. I think... Um, I think that's an understatement just based on some of the leaks we've, we've heard about. I mean, hell, our, our own exclusive from way back in September where we revealed that uh, Kenobi and Vader aren't just going to fight once. They're going to fight multiple times, at least twice. It's going to be very similar to the Darth Maul buildup in The Phantom Menace where, you know, him and Qui-Gon have a little tussle on Tatooine, but then that builds into the Duel of the Fates towards the end of the movie on Naboo. And something very similar is going to happen with Vader and Kenobi. And yes, it has been described as we're going to see kind of peak angry Vader throwing Kenobi, you know, like 100 yards with the Force, just being extremely angry, which we know will make him also extremely powerful. All right, so, I mean, he should be a beast. Right? He should be at his most angry, his most brutal at this point in time. All right? He's still reeling from getting his ass kicked by Obi-Wan. You think learning that Obi-Wan lived and is out still fucking with the Empire is going to make him feel good? No way. I mean, Vader, as much as we make fun of Maul and Maul's obsession with Kenobi, Vader had the same one. I hate you! Right? That wasn't just two friends fucking around. I mean, that was a guttural from his soul. I blame you for my failures. Even though we, we, we know, you know, it was still Anakin that chose. Just like Obi-Wan blames himself for Anakin's fall, Anakin is blaming Obi-Wan. <laughs> he fucking hates him. So he, he's going to be pissed. Uh, you know, losing Padme is always fresh in his mind. And then we know from the canon-based comic books that from day one, Maybe not the moment he flipped the switch and Vader, you know, broke out of his little gurney and did the no. Day after that, Palpatine was already tormenting his ass. Tormenting him, both physically and mentally. You're not good enough. You're a shell of your former self. You're a pussy. Go get your own lightsaber. Oh, here are the Inquisitors because I can't trust you. You need something to do because maybe you're not strong enough anymore to hunt down the Jedi. And it's just nice to have this competition over here just in case. Keep you on your toes. I mean, the run I've been recapping over the past year, Palpatine motherfucking took Vader, systematically dismantled him, ripped his legs off, his arms off again, crushed his his helmet a bit, and then dropped him right by the same lava river that Kenobi left him at and said, hey, figure your shit out, make yourself stronger, and we'll see if you can survive this latest trial I'm giving you. 
And that's because Palpatine knew he, he had to keep Anakin Skywalker in a permanent state of hate and anger. Because that's what would keep him on his side, to learn more about the dark side, and to become more powerful. Because that's what Vader still thought at that time was going to help him out. When we already knew he failed. He lost his wife due to his thirst for power. And no amount of power or anger was ever going to bring her back. Alright, so it's good to get from Hayden, Hayden himself that we're going to see a very powerful Vader. Probably the most powerful to date, even more so than the Rogue One scene. I mean, the Rogue One scene, he was a tank marching down a hallway. It's sounding like in Kenobi, we're going to get the full suite of his power on display. Using the force chokes and throws, just his pure power with the saber, one arm smacks. Uh, I would expect to see some jumps, maybe some flips. So I think this is going to be... Um, the most badass depiction of Darth Vader in live action any of us have ever seen, and that definitely gets my microphallus excited. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping to get, I, I think Lucasfilm, and they should, and I'm ultimately, I'm happy that they're so far have kept Vader at a minimum in terms of Kenobi promotions. Uh, I would like to get another still or two of them, uh, but I am okay with them keeping Vader out of all trailers. Don't show them at all. Keep them like they did in, in the teaser here. You know, a little breathing at the end, stuff like that. Some, you know, uh, alluding to uh, music that, that might make you think about Vader. Um, but we don't need Vader in the trailers in my mind. And uh, Jedi Master Bane from the live stream, I'm with you. I, I think, I, I do, I think if, if Kenobi doesn't do it, I'm pretty sure Vader will be the one taking out the third sister. Because uh, she can't make it to the Rebels timeline, so you might as well take her out now and make it glorious. And, and Vader being the executioner would definitely check that box. Um, so there's just one, one other quote on Vader, and this comes from the new writer, Joby Harold, who took over uh, from the original writer. And um, he says... Vader's shadow is cast across so much of what we do, and the degree of his proximity to that shadow is something that we'll discover. But he is very much a part of the show emotionally for Obi-Wan, and possibly beyond that as well. So that's, you know, the writer not wanting to spoil anything, but as we revealed in our exclusive from September, Vader is going to become a, a pretty main character in this series at least after the first two or three episodes. And him and Kenobi will have, at minimum, two interactions. Okay? So moving on with the Kenobi talk. Hopefully everyone's digging all this stuff. Um, but we, there was another long-form article kind of uh, detailing the 17-year road to get Ewan and Hayden back on screen. So uh, th that was a good read, and I do recommend going to read the deep dive. I just kind of pulled the quotes out because I'm a lazy ass and know most of you are even lazier and you just want to read the good stuff. So um, I, I already read the one quote from Ewan on Obi-Wan's mindset, um, but I'll, I'll read it again. So Obi-Wan is lost. He's a broken man after what happened with the Jedi Order at the end of episode three, but also what happened with Anakin, that he lost him to the dark side. He feels an enormous amount of responsibility for that and guilt. Uh. So, I, I think that mind frame early on, and, and I'm going to get into a 
kind of a leakish post next and hopefully paint a broader picture than we've had to date on Kenobi's overall journey in the series here. But he's busted. He's not the, you know, the, the, the on-point Kenobi from the prequel era. I mean, he, he's so broke, it sounds like he's damn near old man Luke broke. Like, can hardly even master the Force the way he used to, or, or can't really communicate and reach out into it the way we would all expect him to be able to do 10 years post-Revenge of the Sith. He's busted. And a lot of that depression is from Anakin and what happened at the end of Revenge of the Sith. And, and I think that those will be the impetus for the flashbacks, for his night tears that potentially he awakes from in the caves. Uh, there's no doubt about it. He'll be sitting there maybe thinking about the good times and then it'll, it'll flash to Mustafar and that'll be like the, oh, damn it. That always happens when I get there because that's when I realized my failure had become complete with Anakin. So um, another quote we, we get here again, this one's from Joby Harold, the writer, and this is on uh, just... Kenobi and, and some of the growth that he should experience in this series. And, and I do like this. I like where things are headed here. And it really does seem like we're going to get an even newer version of Kenobi. You know, we, we got prequels Kenobi, who also changed. I mean, he was a kind of a shithead as a Padawan. You know, kind of the, an overbearing parent as a master in Attack of the Clones, but then as a a buddy slash brother in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna get a whole different version of Obi Wan in this series to start. He's gonna be a broken down version, a not very hopeful Kenobi, one who probably doesn't have the hubris that he had when he was in the Jedi Order. So Joby goes on to say, when we last saw Obi Wan in the prequels, he's very emotional. There's a passion to him, and when we get to see him again in A New Hope. He is the Zen master. All right, so those were the, you had the emotional Kenobi at the end of the prequels, then you had the guy that was almost so chill, he was joking around with the Chosen One's kid by the time A New Hope came around. I mean, think about, think about Zen Kenobi. You couldn't tell there was any weight of the galaxy on that version of Kenobi. The way he first interacted with Luke, it was just like, hey, it's just another fucking day in the neighborhood, and I'm old Ben. Welcome for your rescue. I'll see you later. Don't forget to reach me out there in the Dune Sea. Here's my number. Um, but we're going to see how he becomes this version of Kenobi, the Zen master. All right, so continuing on with what Joby Harold said, that was the story that I wanted to understand. What had happened to Obi-Wan between the guy that Ewan had brought to life and the guy that Sir Alec Guinness brought to life? And it does seem like we are going to get that. And that's just based on some of the, le the leaks as well as my own Star Wars excellence. Yes. You know, the narcissism had to come out at some point in time. All right. They uh, also touched on any Mandoverse crossovers. And for the most part, they're like, listen, there's the Mandoverse and then there's fucking Kenobi. So leave us alone. That's kind of its own thing. Uh, we're dealing with Kenobi, and we wanted that show, Kenobi that is, to be more related to the prequel era versus the post-Empire era. All right. 
They talked about Vader's voice and they would not reveal if James Earl Jones, who is 91 at this point in time, is doing it. And the fact that they didn't confirm it kind of leads me to believe that maybe they have decided to move on and have recasted Vader's voice. I know other people have done it in other properties. Uh, we're, we're always going to hold uh, James Earl Jones as the true Vader voice. Uh, but, but I can tell you what, even in Rogue One, and I know James did it then, it, something didn't sound right. It, it just didn't feel the same. And I know it's weird to say about a voice because we listen to people's voices and we don't touch them. That'd be creepy. But it, some just didn't feel the same. And it happens. I mean, when you start hitting 91, you, you start to lose a lot. A lot of, you know, timber in your voice, other physical capabilities, um, but the fact that they wouldn't just come out and say, yeah, James is back again, there's a good chance that they probably recast Vader's voice. And, you know, maybe they're going to use that AI stuff that they're using for fake Luke in the Mandalorian, where it's, it's not Hamill talking. They're, they're using, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bits of dialogue from back in the eighties of Mark talking as Luke to generate that voice. Maybe they'll do something similar with Vader. Um, but either way, we cannot confirm if James Earl Jones is reprising that aspect of the character. And then finally, the article hit on, would we ever see a Kenobi season two, considering this is a limited series? And, you know, while Deborah Cho was a little more close to the idea, the boss there, Kathleen Kennedy, uh, definitely seemed a bit more open to it. There was at least a crack in the door for a Kenobi season two. And it shouldn't surprise anyone. I mean, in the end, these companies, Lucasfilm, Disney, they don't exist just to make entertainment for us. They exist ultimately to make money for shareholders, which means if a property can make money and they know that they can repeat the property and make more money, they're going to do it. Uh, so what... Kennedy said in regards to a potential second season of Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's certainly something we talk about, mainly because everybody came together and had such an incredible time. Ewan had an incredible time. Hayden had an incredible time. So certainly from that point of view, everybody involved would love to see this not end. But we have to really spend our time asking the question, why would we do it? If we were to decide on, uh, excuse me, all right, rewound. If we were to decide to do anything more with the Obi-Wan character, we'd have to really answer the question, why? All right. So I, I like what she said. I, I like that it's not we're going to do it just to make some money, even though I guarantee you that would be part of the deciding factor. Uh, but the fact that she's like, listen, we could do this. But why is, is the main question. Why would we do it? And it sounds like if they can find a good why and Kenobi goes over well with the fans, which these days, who the fuck knows? I mean, they're already canceling it based on the Grand Inquisitor's head. So, um, but I, I do like that they're at least thinking about it. Because there could be potential for more early timeline or, you know, post-Revenge of the Sith Kenobi. Uh, you could you could weave some of the mall stuff in there, although I would say why that that was kind of handled in Rebels and Clone Wars. Uh, but it, it does sound like that the Lucasfilm is open to more Kenobi if the why 
can be answered perfectly. All right. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. We shall see what happens. Well, guess what? Still talking Kenobi over here. So if you're still alive and with me and you haven't fallen asleep yet because you're just listening to a solo show today, that's right. Just Matt, no Nick. Hopefully young Nick is back next week because these are starting to at least get boring for me. I Hopefully they're not boring for you and you're getting something out of all this hot air I am spewing at my mic. And by spewing, I really do spew. You should see my, my pop guard here, the spit guard. It's got years of dried up, crusted saliva that I don't even want to try and smell. All right, I have to do it. Woo! Nah, it doesn't stink. <laughs> One would think it would smell like, you know, kind of the inside of a dead dog's asshole, but it does not. It actually does not smell. Because uh, things that come out of a mouth, especially if you let it sit for a while, tend to smell pretty awful. I don't know how dentists do it or, or dental hygienists. Like, who the hell wants to be inside someone's mouth that's probably dirty and smelly? All right? Floss your teeth, people. It does wonders for bad breath. Okay, let me catch my breath here. I got a little pee brewing. Let's see if I can make it to the end of the show without needing to take a leak because that would not work well with a one-man crew today. You know what I mean? All right. Um, Jedi Master Bane from the live stream, I, I think he's going to be back there, and I will be talking about that right now. So uh, we did get some new leaks. Like I said, there is even, even more leaks today that came out for both Kenobi and The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian Season 3, I'm going to stop at the leak I'm going to talk about next. The, the new one that came out today, it's like it's getting too close to uh, finale endgame territory, and I, I don't want to spray all that shit all over the place, even though I kind of looked at it, uh, but it's nothing I care to really look at <laughs> any more in-depthly or share with our fans over here, uh, because the, the new leaks kind of, and even though I've speculated on the events and these leaks confirm them, it, like I said, it, it's getting into potential Mandalorian Season 3 finale territory, and I don't want to be the the, the spoiler of that stuff. And I, I kind of wish I could get back to not being like, oh, hey, I, Star Wars time show. Got to have stuff to talk about. Got to have stuff to post about. So I'll go ahead and take one for the team and read all this spoiler shit. But anyways, the one I want to talk about now deals with the final dual location between Obi-Wan and Vader in the Kenobi series. Yes, I saw some of the smart ass comments on this post last week. Technically, their final duel does take place on the Death Star but I am talking about their final duel in the Kenobi series, not in A New Hope. All right. Thank you, JMB. I appreciate the support. So um, this, this latest leak revealed the location where Obi-Wan and Vader are going to have their final duel. So as we exclusively revealed back in September, they're going to fight more than once. And it's sounding like in this new report that we know where the second fight's going to be. And we also are going to know kind of the results of the first fight. So if that's something you would rather not hear about, uh, we've already kind of talked about the multiple fights, but I'm going to add a little more flesh to the bone. So you may want to tune out for a few minutes. All right. So sad Obi-Wan. All right. We've established this at this point in time. Uh, he's busted. He is Acto Luke, depressed, feeling like a bum, a failure, nearly cut off from the Force. He is in a bad, bad place, 
So much so that early on when he reaches out to Qui-Gon Jinn for a little support, he doesn't get any. All right, that, that's how detached he's become from the living force and the ability to reach out and potentially commune with his former master. And we've been talking about Qui-Gon in this show for weeks now. We've speculated. We've talked about some leaks. It, it's definitely happening. And it got a little more fleshed out this week. And, it, and it's, once again, it sounds like the old speculation from Star Wars Time show is going to be exactly how things play out. But we did learn here early on, due to his depression and mental state, that he can't even reach out to Qui-Gon to get help, someone to talk to, bounce ideas off of. How, how should I be doing this, Master? What should I do about Luke? Owen hates me. I fucked up with Anakin. I'm a loser. I live in a cave. I smell. I have to sell shit. I hang out with Jawas. Um, but nothing. No, no, Qui-Gon can't hear him. Or can hear him, but he, he knows it's not time yet to address Kenobi. So anyways, he's in, a, he's in a, a sad state of mind. So after he leaves Tatooine, which we know happens now, we, we know he, he's going on this adventure to more than likely rescue Princess Leia for bail. It takes him to this Dayu planet. Um, but as he is out and about, he, he, for the first time, starts to get to see how the galaxy is forming a resistance. He's seeing for the first time that there are pockets of rebellion. There are people in all levels of society that do not want to live under empirical rule. All right, this starts to give him hope again. The thing that he has been lacking since the end of Revenge of the Sith. All right, so his hope starts to come back after he leaves Tatooine, which... Once again, probably just proves the point of both Skywalker boys that living on Tatooine is soul-sucking. Anakin hated it because of the sand and reminded him of being a slave. And Luke again said, hey, you're not missing anything here anyways. It's just one big-ass desert, and he always wanted to get away. So uh, it, it seems that Tatooine truly is a hellhole that anyone goes to it doesn't matter if they're the most positive person in the planet. You know, they could be a motivational speaker, a life coach. It doesn't matter if they go to Tatooine. It is going to rip their soul out, step on it, kick it in the nuts, and then flush it down the toilet. All right, But he leaves Tatooine, and some of the hope starts to come back in based on what he's seeing within the galaxy. All right? So... Apparently, even with this hope creeping back in, the first time he interacts with Vader and they have a little bit of a fight, he does not fare so well against the Dark Lord of the Sith. Uh, which, which makes sense. If you think about it, for 10 years, Vader's done nothing but master his anger and get more powerful. On the other hand, for 10 years, Obi-Wan has done nothing but wallow in misery self-hate, he, he probably doesn't trust himself, his, his uh, esteem is in the toilet, he can't even reach out to Qui-Gon, he, he's not there, he, he is, he's a shell of himself due to his failures and then the depression, very similar to Luke, all right, so I know everyone got mad at how Luke was in TLJ, but we're, we're, we're going to get something 
like that early on with Kenobi. And obviously he leaves the planet to go help when Luke didn't, so I get that argument. But anyways, Jedi can get depressed and essentially cut themselves off, and, and it seems Kenobi will be doing something similar. All right, so after he kind of loses the first battle of Vader, according to MSW, he is going to be re-energized. He's going to be much more prepared. And he is actually going to head off to face Vader. Like, he's going to seek him out. And this second duel, here's the big reveal, is going to be on one of Mustafar's moons. So if you look at the uh, concept art here, it, it kind of lines up, you know, with the two fighting and on a bridge or shit exploding. You know, we, we've also heard from some of the leaks that, you know, they're, they're going to be fighting in these rocky locations, mountainous rocks and getting thrown against mountain cliffs or plateaus. So that, that kind of makes sense. So it, it looks like the final duel is going to take place on Mustafar. And here's the cool part. And again, might be a little spoily for some of you. So if, if you don't want to hear this, maybe cup your ears and do a la 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 for a little bit. Um, yeah, Jedi Master Bane, he, uh, this is coming from the live stream, asking here, is Kenobi the center of Vader's hatred and anger? Yeah, I, I would say so. I, I mean, I, I, I personally believe that he also hates himself for allowing himself to become a puppet of Sidious. But... Knowing people like him and always wanting to blame others, it, he, he shifts a lot of the blame he should be putting on himself to Kenobi. It, it's very similar to Maul's obsession with Kenobi. It, it, I, I think it's, it's, it's almost a mere experience where, you know, Maul kept himself alive in a fucking pit for years because of how much hate he had for losing to Kenobi. And, and Vader not only lost to Kenobi and got his ass kicked, but he, he blames Kenobi for the Padme stuff, thinks some shady stuff was going on there. So yes, um, I, I believe Vader, his main hatred is for Kenobi and his own failings. Uh, the, the, the stuff with the Emperor, I don't think he lets drive his hate, although the Emperor does a great job at giving Vader scenarios that add to his hate and therefore make him stronger. But yeah, he, he, he does not like Sidious. I mean, as we know, all Sith at all times are looking to take each other out. Uh, so there, there, there's no doubt that Vader, from the get-go, has probably been looking for an out to take on Sidious. And that's why by the time the original trilogy rolls around and he finds out that Luke is his son and Luke has that power, that's why he makes the pitch. Hey, man. You and me, let's rule this motherfucker as father and son. We don't need this asshole. All right. Yeah, I, I, Bat, this come from the live stream. Bat's asking, does he, th does Vader think Kenobi is alive? That, I, I, I think it's going to be very similar to what we just talked about, to how Kenobi thinks about Vader. You would think that these two have some sort of unbreakable connection through the force, and if in they're in a, in the same vicinity, they might get the little tingly winglies. But I, I think really what is going to drive Vader out of his castle and start taking on the, the hunt for this big fish Jedi that his Inquisitors are probably telling him about will be the fact that it is Kenobi and it's confirmed Kenobi. And that's going to be like, all right, motherfucker, I'm going to come get this guy now. Like what, what you did to me, fuck you. So, yes. All right. 
So, uh, like I said, after Kenobi, he, he's re-energized. He goes to Mustafar's moon, and this is where they have the duel. But here's, here's where some kick-ass stuff is going to come in. And, and depending on how it plays, it could be as epic as it's been pitched to everyone here. So during this fight in which Kenobi, again, his faith is restored. Our man's coming back. Mr. Hello there. That guy. He's starting to come out of his depression. This is when Qui-Gon will reach out. And, it, and it's been explained to us that in this moment, think of Qui-Gon's voice being used in the same way Mick's voice was used for Rocky. Motivating, like, come on, kid, you hit him Stuff like that. Like, Qui-Gon will be motivating Kenobi throughout this fight. Because, you know, Kenobi's going to lose their first duel. Obviously not get killed or maimed too badly. But the second duel, when he's re-energized, he's got the hope. He's got Qui-Gon in his corner. Qui-Gon's going to be egging him on. Like, do this, Obi-Wan. Do that, Obi-Wan. You got him now. Use the force. Use the living force. Uppercut. Uppercut. Stuff like that. So that, to me, is going to be awesome. To just to kind of get that Rocky-like experience between Kenobi and Vader with Mick the role of Mick being played by Qui-Gon's voice and still just in voice form, all right? So hearing this voice and knowing that his master has reached out to him again, he can finally talk to him. This is the motivation that Obi-Wan needs to kind of turn the tables on the very, very much more powerful Darth Vader at this point in time. So his renewed sense of hope and determination is going to get him to the point of almost taking out Vader. He finally will believe again that the light side can win, which will not be the case when the series first airs on May 25th. You're going to see a Kenobi who is broken. Island Luke. I've said it a million times, but I, I can't help but draw the, the parallels between the two. But after realizing Vader's out there, the threat that brings, losing the first bout, Seeing that the denizens of the galaxy are pushing back against the Empire, there are uh, rebel cells making their, th themselves known, there are people fighting back, all this renews his hope, and then Qui-Gon kind of is the cherry on top. And that, this is what is ultimately going to lead to Zen Master Kenobi. He's got hope now, and at the beginning of the season, when he gets Nare killed, saying, hey, we lost, we're fucked, go hide. That Kenobi will die as well. And it will be reborn Zen Kenobi in, we can do this. The light side's going to win. I'm more committed to ever to becoming more powerful than Darth Vader can ever imagine. And that's when he's going to head back to Tatooine. And apparently this is when Qui-Gon will appear to him in corporeal form. And it does sound like this will be kind of the closing moments of the series, which, you know, I don't like to toot my own horn or anything, but that's pretty much how I said it, it, it would play out. Now, we are going to get the bonus in there of reaching out and Qui-Gon not responding, and we are going to get voice Qui-Gon for, the, for the, 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 the Rocky fight here. But it does sound like one of the closing shots will be this Kenobi with a renewed sense of hope and his former master returns in ghost form. Uh, roll credits, something like that. All right, so good stuff. I mean, I, hey, 
We all knew this was going to be or had potential to be a great series, and, and I still think it will. So for those of you that are out there like, oh, the Inquisitor's head has ruined it for me, come on. Like, either you quit with the clickbait shit or just quit watching Star Wars. Because if that stuff ruins Star Wars for you, why did you even get into Star Wars in the first place? For me, it's always been for the story. I don't care if they're dressed like spaceball characters. As long as it's something Star Wars, I'm going to be down for it. Uh, the other fans I want to address, and this is just more to just give you some hope in the series, and that it's not going to ruin A New Hope. All right? Um, I, I don't, I, I think, no, I think Obi-Wan, I'm sorry, I'm reading from the live stream here. So, 1-6 Shooter, I think you got your answer. I do think it sounds like we are going to get Qui-Gon's ghost, even though it shouldn't be canon, but... Spa Spa Spencer, our producer, who hasn't produced anything in like half a year. He, I guess in those, a certain point of view books, you do get a, a ghost form Qui-Gon in canon. So whatever. It sounds like we, we it, it does sound like we are going to get ghost form Qui-Gon, even though it was never directly addressed in the cartoons or the films. Um, but... The, the things I want to, because there's a lot of people still bent on the fact that Obi-Wan and Vader are going to meet again before they're meeting in the Death Star. And I really think if you take some of the quotes from Darth Vader, those quotes were broken with Revenge of the Sith and how things played out. I mean, one of the, one of the first lines, I mean, I know the first line is like, I sense a presence I haven't felt since, you know, in like a, like a bloodhound, Vader sniffing around. That... The context of that could be anything. It could be all the way back to the prequels, or it could be to the fights they're going to have in the Kenobi series. So that, that quote's not ruined. The other one that a lot of people get on, the actual duel itself. You know, when, it was something when, when I last left you, I was but the learner, but now I am the master. Think about that line right there. Anakin didn't leave shit in Revenge of the Sith. Anakin didn't leave shit, and he wasn't a learner. Anakin was a full-fledged Jedi Knight, not rank of master on the council. We got to remember that. Anakin stopped being uh, Obi-Wan's Padawan in between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. He was a full-fledged Jedi Knight, so he was not the learner. So what that could mean now is I was a learner of just the dark side. Now I am a master of the dark side by the time A New Hope comes around. But that line right there, like I said... When last I, I think it was when last I left you, I was but the learner. Anakin didn't leave dick shit. Obi-Wan left him. Obi-Wan left thinking he would burn to a crisp and actually die. So that line, I don't believe, gets ruined by this franchise. In fact, that line could become even more poignant than ever before. Because now we're going to see why he says this. And was it, yes, I left you as a learner of the dark side. Now I am a master of the dark side. But then Obi-Wan also drops his stuff. You know, only a master of evil, Doth. And if you strike me down now, I will become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. That line right there is why the Kenobi franchise exists. We're going to see what that means. And we're starting to learn what that means. It means that Obi-Wan was broken down to a pieces of his former self, so much so that he could hardly even use the force to talk to and reach out to his master. 
But through his experiences and leaving Tatooine and seeing what the Empire is up to, but also seeing what the resistance was and the rebellions and the rebel cells popping up, all that gives him hope. So much hope that he's ready to go fight Vader again, a guy that it sounds like he's going to lose to the first time, with the intention of taking him out, killing him. But he's doing this with this renewed sense of hope because he now knows we can win. At the start of the Kenobi series, no way. He, he thinks they're fucked. He's even going to tell a Jedi that hunted him down after 10 years, listen, man, give it up. We lost. No point in trying to be a hero anymore. We suck. We blew it. You blew it! You know, but the events of Kenobi are going to show him, no. You have blown nothing, good sir. You have blown nothing. With some hope and with some intense training with your boy Qui-Gon, you are going to learn what it's going to take to get rid of that motherfucker in the armor and his boss. And that's, as we know, that's exactly what happens. He becomes Zen Master Kenobi, learns how to become one with the Force, which allows him to be with Luke at all times, anywhere. Allows him to get Luke to Dagobah. All that stuff. So I think it's beautiful. I think it's going to make those moments in A New Hope just feel even more relevant and actually have direct meaning to them. Where, yes, before the prequels, they, they definitely meant, yeah, the last time we were together. But then once George did the prequels, he kind of already broke some of those Vader quotes. I just want everyone to remember that. Uh, those were already kind of tarnished by the way Revenge of the Sith goes. Because Anakin was leaving no one with zero legs and one missing arm and the rest of his body on fire. All right? So there you go. Take a deep breath. It'll be all right. It's new Star Wars. And it's Star Wars with Obi-Wan Kenobi in it. With Darth Vader in it. With Inquisitors in it. With the Skywalker twins in it. What else could you possibly want? Oh, I know. A Conehead Inquisitor. Outside of that, what else could you want? Enough said. All right, so I'm um, kind of getting off the Kenobi hype wagon at this point in time. Just threw a ton at you. We've been, I feel like I've been talking for way too long. We're probably approaching the two-hour mark. That sounds about right. So I'm trying to pick up the pace a little bit because there's a lot of shit to go. Maybe it is a good week uh, Nick isn't here because I don't think he'd want to do a four-hour cast. Uh, but this latest topic, my friends, is a wild, as I put out in the post title, a wild season three leak for The Mandalorian. All right. Uh, this could be another one if it comes true, which it probably will based on the sources you may want to pass out on because it's going to be something crazy. Uh, but I digress and I will go through it and let you know. All right, so what is this wild Mandalorian Season 3 leak that is going to promise a return of a popular dead character? Well, my friends, the nurse droid is coming back, and he's going to be on Beskar. That's right. Making Star Wars is reporting from his sources that, uh, and, and we talked about this months ago, at some point in time there's going to be a call to arms in the Mandalorian Season 3, essentially I don't know if it's going to be Din or Din and some of the other prominent Mandos, but they're going to try to rally Mandalorians from across the galaxy for something. Uh, based on the Book of Boba Fett, that something could very well be the beginnings of retaking Mandalore, which we 
has to be a thing. And even today, some leaks have, are already starting to say that, yes, uh, Mandalore is going to be a thing. You know it's a thing if you listen to the Star Wars Time Show, because I told you it would be a thing uh, during Episode 5 of The Book of Boba Fett when she talked about the only way he can redeem himself is through the living waters beneath the mines of Mandalore. And hopefully, like a lot of you that also like Lord of the Rings, I, I, I hope that every time you try to say Mines of Mandalore, your brain wants to say Mines of Moria. Because I know mine does, and I'm getting tired of it. But anyways, think about this. You're going to have all these Mandalorians in some sort of potential battle. And MSW has learned that Grogu is going to take part in this battle, but with a serious armor upgrade. It's not like Din's just going to roll him out there in his chainmail. All right, so according to MSW sources, Grogu is going to be fighting in a mech suit as a Mandalorian foundling, and the mech suit just so happens to be IG-11. That's right. IG-11 is coming back. And a lot of people are going like, how does this happen? And, you know, I kind of scratch my head, too. If you think about how IG-11 perished, not only did he sink his chassis into lava, so you would have to think that he was already starting to melt, but he detonated himself with a uh, thermal detonator in his chest. Now, it is Star Wars, and IG-11 was a droid, so I don't think it's that far-fetched that he could be coming back. Uh, so a game I like to play is like, all right, well, how, how could he come back? Was it, you know, MSW speculated maybe Jawas scavenged some parts? Sure, that, that makes sense too. But he's also a droid, and droids can be backed up. I mean, we, we saw it in The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, 3PO lost his memory, but R2 had a backup and loaded it in. He was right back to uh, Scaredy Cat C-3PO. So who's not to say that when Kuil fixed IG-11 and turned him into a nurse droid, who's to say that Kuil didn't back him up? All right. And, you know, by whatever means, the Mandalorian, Din, whoever, they, they, they somehow come across another IG model and dump in the code. I think that's one way to explain IG-11's resurrection. Because uh, it's not like they could take his chassis from the Mandalorian. That, that, that's gone. I mean, at best, they might have found his head, and maybe that's all they needed. And it's also no surprise that there's multiple IGs out there. I mean, when we first learned that there's going to be an IG droid Mandalorian, we were all just like, oh, it's going to be IG-88. But it was not. It was IG-11. So there are going to be other IG chassis out there that, that they could dump Eleven's memory into. All right, so that, that's not the important point. The important point is that IG-11 is back, and it, it, MSW has explained that Grogu is literally going to ride within IG's chest. And it, it's, IG will interact with Grogu in the same way Jarvis would interact with Iron or Tony Stark when he was in the Iron Man armor. So Grogu has full control over IG-11, but... Uh, whatever IG-11 AI is in there, it can also assist Grogu with, with stats, calculations, predictions based on conditions taking place, all that fun stuff. So it, it is, it's like Grogu is going to be in what I called an Imperial Remnant Buster. So the Star Wars version of the Hulk Buster, but for a tiny little Yoda-like creature. Um, and, and IG-11, it, 
is not just going to be the robot chassis. It is going to be adorned in Beskar. So they're going to they're, they're somehow weld Beskar armor all over this droid, essentially giving Grogu his Beskar mech. And it sounds like within this suit, Grogu is going to kick some serious ass. Like beating, up, beating down stormtroopers, uh, you name it. So I, I think while it might sound silly, and, and on paper it might sound silly, I, I think th- this has a potential to become a huge fan craze type of moment if it plays out based on these leaks. I mean, just seeing the little guy kind of mount up into IG, it, it stands up like, he's all in there, he turns on the AI, he's like, oh, hello, Grogu. What would you like me to focus on today? And he's like, all right, beep, 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 beep. He's putting in all these coordinates for stormtroopers. And he's like, fire. And he's shooting all these whistling birds at him as he's running and using the force through the, the inside of the IG-11. Uh, so I'm, I'm all over this. And uh, like I said, I'm sure some fans will be like, oh, you know, no one ever dies. Well, yeah, especially not droids in Star Wars. I mean, that, that's a much easier sell than uh, somehow Palpatine returned. But I digress. Uh, so that that's that's pretty cool little leak there, and I, I do think it's probably legit. Uh, as I've said, MSW seems to hit almost all the time, and now Bespin Bulletin is kind of backing them up. So uh, I do think this is going to happen, and it should be uh, quite the moment when it plays out, because it does sound like we're we're headed to some sort of big battle, more than likely between the living. Mandalorians out there and whatever remnant forces are still on Mandalore. Because there's just, there's just too many teases in the book of Boba Fett about Din losing his Kool-Aid card, right? You know, you're no longer in the This Is The Way group. And then the armor saying, well, the one way to get back is going to the living water beneath the mines of Mandalore. Well, here we go. That is more than likely going to be the main crux of Din and Grogu's journey in the Mandalorian season three. Um, but it does sound like Grogu is going to be full on Mandalorian foundling style. And it's not like they're going to be focusing on, Oh, should we Jedi him? Should we Mando him? It, it, it sounds like, and it, it probably isn't fully done. Maybe Luke will show up again someday, but it is sounding like Grogu is going the foundling way. And, and his way of kind of joining the fight with his Mandalorian brothers and sisters is going to be in a mechanized suit of armor. Um, Bat saying Grogu kind of turning into the Savior. Yeah, I could see that. I, I don't know. I think Bat, I mean, that's a good point. And it definitely was his saving was w- way overused in the finale of the Book of Boba Fett. But I'm thinking this is more along the lines of including Grogu as a Mandalorian warrior versus a space wizard. Like, like diving headfirst into the fact that he chose Foundling over Padawan, and this is a way to get him in with the clans and to operate as a Foundling and not get stepped on or mushed to pieces in a, in a ground battle. Um, I, I don't think this is going to be like... Uh, you know, everyone's down, Din's down, the armor's down, Bo's down, Paz is down, and then out of the sky drops Grogu to save the day. I do think this is more, hey, you're one of us now, fight with us, 
but we understand your physical limitations. So here is a something you may be familiar with from your past in IG-11, and now you can ride inside his chest. All right. Um, and, and there are um, a few other Mandalorian leaks that came out today, but I, as I said earlier, I decided to pass on them because it gets a little too much into finale stuff. I have read them. If, if you want me to, if you want to discuss them over in, in our Discord spoiler channel, go for it. All right. But otherwise, um, feeling a little lazy, don't feel like posting it because, I don't know, it's just, it's a bit too spoilery because it potentially deals with finale moment type of stuff. And some of the speculations I pulled out of my ass about the uh, Minds of Mandalore and the whole legend of the Mythosaur and that not so much just being a legend. Uh, I, I think what the armorer said is going to come true. Uh, but I'm not going to confirm it one way or the other. Well, if you thought I was done with The Mandalorian, you're wrong! I'm not! We've got another thing, and, and this isn't so much a... I mean, there's, there's a little bit of a leak in there, but there's also a, a photo leak to really kind of add credence to what the, the, the rumor's talking about here, but it sounds like we're going to get some Red Troopers and Praetorian Guards in the Mandalorian Season 3. Uh, if you forget who the Praetorians are, those were the armored guards that protected Snoke like a bunch of bums in The Last Jedi. All right, They didn't quite do a good job, and uh, then they got their asses mostly kicked by Kylo and Rey. So it sounds like a contingent of them will be in The Mandalorian Season 3, and you're probably asking why. Well, MSW and those uh, leaking this stuff, and I concur are speculating that there's a good chance they are a part of the ongoing cloning arc that the Mandalorian has addressed in multiple seasons now. You gotta remember, the whole thing that kicked this off was the Empire wanting Grogu's DNA to do something with. That was season one. By season two, we saw what they were doing with his DNA, the one vial they got. Uh, and, and you would think they got more vials after Gideon got him in season two, so that blood's still out there. We saw that they had, you saw that they had uh, the, that cloning facility on Navarro, where there are these things that could have been early Snokes. So the fact that Praetorian Guards are in the Mandalorian Season 3, to me, leads me to believe that we're going to get back to that cloning story that started in Season 1 and has continued for Season 2, so why not Season 3? And there's a good chance they're protecting an early version of Snoke? Anyone? Or someone high up in this version of the Remnant before it more than likely morphs into the First Order. Okay. Uh, so the other thing, if you're on the live stream, you can see one of the leaked images here. We have these red helmets. And they're not Stormtrooper helmets, and they're not full-on Mandalorian helmets, but they look like a hybrid of both. In fact, I included a screen of the Imperial Super Commandos from Star Wars Rebels in it. Because to me, it, it feels like kind of the continuation of what those Mandalorians were doing. So the, the Mandalorian, or if you remember, the Imperial Super Commandos, these were just Mandalorians that sided with the Empire, like the Gar Saxons. And, and they fought for the Empire, and they made specific-looking armor that, you know, I guess sort of paid homage to Mandalorian armor, but also was kind of in line with the 
uh, Imperials. You know, uh, Gar had the red get up where his uh, subordinates had just all white. But it, it feels like, and, I, and this is just speculation. This this isn't coming from uh, this isn't coming from the leak here. This is coming from my own gooey head. But I, I I'm thinking that these red helmets and the red troopers that were talked about in this leak, and I, I'm I'm not talking about the Praetorian guards being the red troopers. I'm I'm actually talking about red troopers. I don't know if it's the Sith troopers from Tross, but it looks like um, it, it could be these helmet-wearing people are going to be the Red Troopers, which to me is a, it's kind of a mishmash of the Imperial Super Commando armor and Trooper armor and traditional Mandalorian armor. So there is a chance that if we are going to get this big battle of Mandalorians versus the Imperial Remnant, that there are still some traitors fighting on the Remnant side, possibly the ones that are all in the Red Trooper armor. Um... So, I don't know, that, that was like one of the first photo leaks we've gotten from The Mandalorian Season 3. And I, I just couldn't help but be reminded of the Imperial Super Commandos. Um, but also, there is a mash in there with the uh, Sith Troopers and uh, Mandalorian type of aesthetic. Uh, but it does sound like, and it could be on Mandalore itself... Din and his merry bunch of probably ang angry Mandalorian factions will be going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Praetorian Guards and Red Troopers, who are more than likely Mandalorian traitors that are still working with the Remnant even after the Empire has fallen. All right, there were a few other images that leaked. Uh, one clearly is a, of an Imperial location. This could be on a... Uh, it could be on a starship, or it could be some sort of base. Maybe this is a base on Mandalore, and this is where they're going to kind of have a big fight with the Praetorian Guards and the Red Troopers. Then there's this this ball thing, which... It, it kind of looks like the transport elevators, tube things that were being used in Bad Batch when they were kind of getting around uh, beneath the sea in Camino. So... I don't know, maybe this is something that goes underwater or this is like a uh, kind of this transport that can get people around this Imperial facility. Uh, but that was just one of the other leaked images there that uh, kind of fell in line with the red trooper looking deal. And, you know, Praetorian guards, red troopers, if they're Sith troopers, it all leads towards First Order stuff, Snoke, Palpatine, the First Order. And we have been told that the Mandoverse should slowly start to reveal how the Remnant turned into the Order. So it makes sense that by Season 3 we're going to start uh, getting some of those motifs. We no longer really have to deal with, hopefully don't have to deal with Din and Grogu and what each one of those need for themselves. It seems like that's been resolved. Din wants to be with Grogu. Grogu wants to be with Din. They're going to be a full-on Mandalorian and foundling partnership at this point in time. So the meat of the story can get back to the cloning stuff, Mandalore, reclaiming Mandalore from the remnant. Holy shit, people. Is this, I mean, is anyone even alive still? Is anyone even listening to this shit anymore? I don't even know what I'm saying at this point in time. Going on two hours and 16 minutes, pretty much nonstop with a solo cast. So hopefully you're still with me. If not, I don't blame you. 
Just make sure to check out the recording on youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. Or, of course, you can always find our content the day after a live stream on StarWarsTime.net and or most podcast platforms out there. All right, got a couple more topics before the fan segment. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're getting into three-hour solo territory. Someone shoot me in the face. Uh, got some Bad Batch Season 2 details, though, which I'm excited about. This happened on a live stream last week that the more popular fan Star Wars fan podcasts were hosting. Uh, it was a good live stream, though. It was to raise money for Ukraine, so I'm cool with that. Um, but apparently they didn't like that we said that the live stream was for that. Whatever. I get it. We're the redheaded stepchild. We're the shitheads. No one likes us. Everybody hates me. I'm going to go eat worms. Wow, wow, wow. Poor Matt. Uh, but anyways, on this live stream, they had the Kiner brothers on it who uh, do the musical score for Bad Batch. And they uh, dropped a few details that I found to be a little interesting. Uh, one of the more interesting points that they discussed on this live stream was the fact that Omega will be a bit older in season two. All right. So this kind of gets the speculation juices flowing. How much is her appearance going to change to signify age? Uh, is it going to be something drastic like what Ezra did from what I think season two to three with the haircut? Or Ahsoka with the costume changes throughout the Clone Wars. Are they going to make her age and, and the fact that she's older noticeable? Will they give her a set of armor to signify this? Will her hairstyle change? That type of stuff I'm, I'm interested in. But I also like to know that I also like to hear that it, it sounds like we are going to be advancing into the beginning of the Empire at least a couple years from where Bad Batch Season 1 ended. I mean, that, if that's true, that, that's going to allow the writers to do all sorts of things. Uh, you can kind of fast forward the Nala Se plot and, and get more into what was going on at that mountain at the end of season one. What, what, what cloning shit is she working on? Uh, you have even more potential to introduce Boba Fett. You got to remember, Boba Fett and Omega are twins. One would think at some point in time that they're going to learn that secret. And what implications will that have? Uh, but I, I would like to see Omega not in full-on, you know, Bad Batch armor, but something close, something to really signify that she has fully become a member of that family, doing her own thing now, has her own skill set and specialties, and has gotten a bit older. Uh, the Kinder Brothers, they also hinted that we're going to see a lot more characters overall in Season 2, but it was not made clear if these are going to be characters like Hauser introduced in season one or Hera again or other existing characters that have either been featured in live action or in animation or if we're getting new characters but expect more characters overall another interesting tidbit they provided is uh, some location-based information and uh, you fans should be pleased to know that Coruscant is going to be featured in the Bad Batch in season two now they didn't say if it was going to be featured multiple times throughout the season, or if it's just going to be part of an episode arc. But they did say there will be scenes on Coruscant. Um, so that will be, I believe, the first time we'll see Coruscant from Bad Batch during the timeline that it is set. 
so that's all fun stuff there. Um, like I said, I'm kind of running out of gas, so I'm not going to spin my wheels too much. And it's not like I have Nick sitting here to kind of bounce ideas off of. But I do like the idea of some time passing from season one to season two. I'm interested to see if they reflect the passing of time in Omega or if they just keep her same character model. And then uh, seeing Coruscant, especially at the beginning of the Empire's reign, should also be quite uh, quite rad in Bad Batch Season 2. But that's it. Didn't get release dates or anything like that. So at this point in time, who knows? It's coming out in some time in 2022. Uh, with Kenobi coming out in May, that's going to eat up. That'll lead into July. You would think based on the fact that they said Andor is going to come out during Disney's Q4 that Andor would probably drop end of July, early August. Then maybe you get the Bad Batch right before Mandalorian Season 3. I am hoping they stick with Mando Season 3 to air at the end of the year. Um, all right. Moving right along. I'm even running out of things to say to, even, to transition between topics here. Uh, this one I picked up today, and since I don't have anyone to speculate, this should be a quick one here, but Damon Lindelof, that's right, that Damon, one of the writers and creators of Lost, he also most recently did that kick-ass uh, Watchmen limited series on HBO, but according to this dude named Jeff Snyder, who works for The Ankler, whatever the hell that is, uh, he's saying that they have heard through their sources that Damon Lindelof is working on a Star Wars movie. And that's it. They're, they're not title. It's not one of the announced movies, which at this point in time, I believe, is just Taika's movie and Rogue Squadron. I'm pretty sure Ryan Johnson's thing is, is dead and gone. They're just not going to talk about it. <laughs> it's one of those deals like, hey, if we just don't talk about it, maybe they'll forget um, so this thing that, that Jeff Snyder is saying Damon is attached to would be considered unannounced. So who the fuck knows? I mean, Damon in the past has been quoted as saying franchises he would like to work in include the MCU and Star Wars, which I think anyone in Hollywood would, would probably say. So that's not a surprise. Uh, but I'll be honest. I, I like what Damon does. Uh, I was a Lost fan, and yeah, I agree. They they definitely dropped the ball here and there and that. It started too many questions without giving enough answers. I thought Watchmen was great. I liked Tomorrowland. I haven't watched The Leftovers, but I, 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 I dig what the guy does. Uh, so if he is indeed attached to a Star Wars movie, I, I can get behind that because I, I, I like the way he thinks. I like the concepts and themes he runs with. And I, I do think he could bring a, an interesting take to the Star Wars franchise. But there's really not much else to go on here, so it's out there. You heard it here. Damon Lindelof apparently working on a new Star Wars movie. That's it. No release date, no release window, no movie theme. Y you just don't know. But if, if you're like me and you, you dug what Damon has been attached to in the past, I think it's a good thing. I, I do. Just like we think Taika's, a, Taika's movie could be very interesting based on what he's done in the past. It's, it's something very similar. I'm, I'm behind it. I do hope it's true. And, and hopefully he will not run into the old creative differences monster over at Lucasfilm and get kicked out before we even know what he was working on. Um, but you just, you just never know. Chaos from the live stream is asking Star Wars 10. 
Well, according to the powers that be, my friend, there, there aren't going to be any continuations of that type of stuff anymore, even though I think that's a, a bunch of bullshit. But uh, as of right now, the official stance at Lucasfilm is that the Skywalker saga ended with the rise of Skywalker or really ended with uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series or really ended with the Mandalorian. You just don't know. Uh, but I, I don't see them <coughs> doing 10, 11, 12 if they ever get there anytime soon. You got to let that timeline uh, age a bit, kind of like uh, they did with the prequels. So all those ang angry people, you got to give them enough time like they did me with the prequels to let me realize that I'm just being an angry asswipe and it's not that big of a deal. It's just a Star Wars movie and if other people love it, that's okay. All right, my friends, finally... Getting to the fan segment. We do it every week. If you want to get involved, there's two methods of doing so. You can participate in the question of the week, which we're going to do right now. That happens every Tuesday morning, although I might try to shift it to Monday night based on some recommendations from one of our Discord fans and longtime fans, Scion XTC. So I will give that some thought. But every week we do a question of the week. It's posted on our Instagram account, both in our profile and to our stories. So all you got to do is keep an eye out for that. Once it comes through, either reply to the story or leave a comment on the post. And if you're lucky, we'll pick five comments to be read, critiqued, made fun of, or agreed with on an episode of the Star Wars Time Show. So here we go. Our question this week was kind of easy. What did you enjoy the most about the first Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer? And I did get some feedback this week, so thanks for doing your job, fans. I do appreciate the interaction. All right, so who's up first? What did we have to say? This is Milo Studs. So at Milo Studs on Instagram had to say, The music was absolutely amazing. They mashed up some of the greatest Star Wars themes ever. Here, here, Milo. I couldn't agree more. As I said at the start of this show, which now seems like that was a week ago, I'm telling you, I'm in some sort of alternate reality now, just talking by myself for damn near two and a half hours. Try doing it sometimes, people. It's, it's crazy what it will do to your mind. Like, I, I honestly feel a little woozy. But no, I agree. I mean, it, I, I honestly, and you may even hear it, if you go back and listen to my Kenobi trailer breakdown, I had to compose myself to start talking about it because that music, and I don't know if it was the Force theme or Kenobi's theme to start, but then it goes right into the Duel of the Fates, and it does. I don't care if I'm not a huge fan of the prequels or not. The music still gets me. It gets the, the, the nipples erect. The, you know, the, the, the chicken skin starts coming out. The chills, whatever you want to call it. And I am instantly turned into my three or four year old self where I just can't help it. It's just like I sit there at the TV and my lip quivers and I'm like, this is the stuff that I've based my whole life on. My dad doesn't love me anymore. You know, that type of shit. It gets me, man. The music gets me. And so it seems does the same thing for Milo. All right. Up next, next uh, comment to our question of the week comes from Galagus Rax Picks. They say, Ewan McGregor as Kenobi. 
No question. Second, the prequel music, Duel of the Fates, Battle of the Heroes, Anakin's Dark Deeds, the overall Rots vibes. I also enjoyed The Inquisitor so far, but I haven't seen enough to be really excited yet, although it's great to see Fortress Inquisitorius on Nur from Fallen Order being a key location. Yes. I love when Star Wars tickles my tits, as Joe is saying in the chat here, but in regards to Galagus Rack's picks... I would recommend, and, and I'd, I'd recommend this to anyone, between now and May 25th, if you have not watched Star Wars Rebels, watch Star Wars Rebels. At least the first season. The first season gives you a deep dive into the Grand Inquisitor and the Inquisitors in general and how they were used and how Vader oversaw them and kind of let them do their thing while he remained Palpatine's bitch. Uh, but the fact that they're coming over into Kenobi in such a large way, you need to get up on Rebels at this point in time if you've been putting it off. Uh, you, I think you could possibly watch just through the first two seasons and get most of the Inquisitor action, uh, but that would be shameful. It's a fantastic series. Check it out. And it's got more weight to it than just the Inquisitors. I mean, I believe we've been saying this for years now, ever since we saw Ahsoka in The Mandalorian and heard Grand, you know, Grand Admiral Thrawn's name get dropped. That also is, is all from Rebels. So Star Wars Rebels, in my opinion, just like the Clone Wars, is mandatory viewing at this point in time because of what they are doing in the live-action TV universe. Okay. All right, next comment comes from scissor.me.xerxes. Man, seeing little Luke pretending to pilot his ship, just seeing you and his Obi-Wan, that crescendo of Duel of the Fates playing in the background with that teasing hint of Vader's breathing at the end. OMG, I love it all. You know, I, I really couldn't say it better myself. Um, although I'd say Luke was pretending to pilot a pod racer. I'm still going with that. I don't know, maybe... Maybe Baru and Owen, they're not such big dicks after all. And, and every boon to Eve, they take him out to Jabba's race. You know what I mean? Um, it just, it, it seemed like he was almost mimicking Anakin's movements from the Phantom Menace. Like doing the, the two thrusters forward and the tilt, tilt, turn. Uh, it just, I mean, it looked like Anakin. I loved it. I, I loved all the choices they made there. Deborah, the cinematographer, was fantastic. Give him the goggles that, that's going to evoke the memory of Anakin's goggles. Hell, give him Anakin's old garb. Maybe, you know, maybe Shmi brought them with her when she moved into the, into Kleeg's hovel and they had them laying around and, and they've been using Anakin's clothes for Luke. That stuff is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. All right, good man, Chaos. Chaos just uh, committed in the live stream chat here. If you want to join the live stream, don't forget, every Tuesday, 2.30p on YouTube, youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. But Chaos is committing to watch Rebels. Uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Uh, towards the end, it has, probably not for someone like you, but someone like me, it has one of the, one of the most impactful character deaths you'll ever see in Star Wars, let alone any, any sci-fi property. Uh, I, I've, I've had to relive the moment twice now, and, and the second time, I, I would say it wasn't as hard-hitting, but I, I still 
it was bad enough my daughter turned around and said, oh, no, you're going to start doing this essentially already because we watch Rebels together. Uh, this would have been maybe the first year of lockdown. And uh, I don't know. The, the, the series brings out a lot of, a lot of good memories that, that get me uh, worked up, not so much based on what happens in Star Wars, but how a lot of us, I think, apply moments in Star Wars, motifs in Star Wars to our own life. So it, it, it hits me sometimes. Man. Uh, one of the, the the way one of the main characters goes out in Rebels is rough, but so beautifully done. It's it's just it's perfect. All right, we've got a reply from SW dot Black Series guy, and they're saying, "To be honest, I loved it all. The Duel of Fates gave me goof goosebumps. What about yourself? Well, thank you. You know, it's nice that someone actually cares about my feelings and what I have to say. It's not like I just spent the past two and a half hours sitting here, go, you know, vomiting up my own opinion. So I, I do appreciate you asking, but I, I'm with you there, Black Series guy. I say I loved it all. The music definitely was probably the best part. But for, for a geek like me, someone who likes to speculate, postulate, predict, and then masturbate. It was getting some of the leaks confirmed and fleshed out more, but also just kind of getting a general overall idea of the look and feel of the series and, and how things are going to play out. You know, it's stuff like that that leads me to believe that, you know, that, that's not fucking Han Solo in that one shot. That's Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's not Hondo. It's not uh, Cad Bane. I just, I just like seeing stuff that we've been hearing about for years. So when we finally get to see it, it's like, you know, my cherry gets popped and I get all excited, fast and loose. Okay. And the last one here comes from Black Series underscore Rebel. Hearing Kenobi's monologue over the shots of his isolation, just driving the point home, we are witnessing a very broken man that's going to find his purpose. Yes. Uh, we, I've talked about it ad nauseum today. But I think for fans, I'm most excited for Kenobi fans that haven't delved into any of this stuff and are going to be going in fresh. I'm excited to kind of see how they react to getting this version of Kenobi because it is going to be much different than what everyone is used to from the, his time in the Clone Wars and then the prequel movies. Uh, I, I think some people should have... It should remind them of angry old man Luke. I think you're going to get some of that. Maybe less anger and just more kind of loss of hope and frustration. But yeah, I mean, it, this is going to be a very different version of the character. But luckily, based on a lot of the garbage I spewed today, it sounds like we're going to see him grow from this hopeless scavenger to the Zen master that we see Alec Guinness portray in A New Hope. And, and that gets me excited. All right. So thanks again. Remember, question of the week, if you want to get involved, make sure you're following us on Instagram at Star Wars Time Show and just keep an eye out for the prompt. If I can get my new cadence going, I'll try to drop a Monday evening, but you can always guarantee Tuesday morning before show day, Oh, sorry. It, it was bound to happen, my friends. I'm sucking in a lot of air to keep doing this. Um, you, you, you can find the question of the week and respond. And then the other part, you got to tune into the show to see if your comment made the grade and spawned any discussion. All right. So the second part of our weekly fan segment, that's right, my friends, we do this every week in addition to giving you everything you need to know 
in the land of Star Wars, we also honor those who honor us with their times, their likes, their comments, their ratings, their reviews. And if you haven't done any of that stuff yet and you enjoy the show, now's the time to do it. If you're on YouTube, like the video, share it, sub, notifications. If you're on a podcast platform, check and see if they have a rating and review option and please leave either or. We speak all your names. Uh, so, yeah. The second entry into the show for fans to be honored by us is our weekly Top 5 Star Wars Fan Artist Features. So the way this plays out, Throughout the week, if you are someone that creates anything Star Wars, I wouldn't even say it has to be art. It could be, uh, you know, props, dios, uh, you know, frozen urine. It doesn't matter. If it's Star Wars and it's something you want us to see, make sure to tag at Star Wars Time Show and use hashtag Star Wars Time Show. Then every day I'll go through both and I will see what has been submitted. And if it tickles my taint, as Joe likes to say, I will feature it on the page. And then usually, at least when Nick is in, in, in country, on Mondays, he will pick his five favorite from a week of features, and then those are the ones we talk about on the show. So today and then last week, I did everything. I featured throughout the week, and now I picked the top five. So let's get right down to it, because I am really starting to feel that pee wanting to come out of my pee hole. Yes, it's a bad one, people, but I just can't get up in the middle of the show now because there's no one to kill the dead air while I'm taking a leak. If my mic was a little more portable, I, there's a chance right now I would take it off of the stand and walk it into the bathroom, but let's just get to it. All right, up first, we have a great one here from at Mark Walker Photo on Instagram, at Mark Walker Photo, all one word. And this is one of those kind of Star Wars humor scenes uh, I like to see and tend to feature a lot. And what you see here, you've got C-3PO, he's in like his office, but his office looks like, you know, a, a scholar. It's something you might see on a college campus. There's a, there's a bust of someone up there. I can't tell who it is. It looks like there's a bunch of books behind him, encyclopedias. But he's sitting down at a desk reading a book, and the book is called Communication Skills for Dummies. And that's what sells this shot right here. And there's also another book called iRobot that's open on the table. But it's just, it's just a brilliant setup that Mark went with here. You know, pairing C-3PO a protocol droid who's always trying to rub it in everyone's faces how many forms of communication he knows that he has to sit down at night and read communication skills for dummies because he does. You know, he's, he's not great at talking to Han Solo. He's not great at talking to Princess Leia or Luke. I mean, everyone's always either telling him to hurry up or shut up. So it's like he's finally taken it to heart and now he's trying to teach himself some communication skills. So... I just love the Dio. Everything in it's practical. You know, so Mark's got little bookshelves, little books. Looks like there's a little T-16 Skyhopper up there. Uh, a little table for C-3PO to sit at. Little seats. It's just fantastic. So, at Mark Walker Photo on Instagram, give him a follow. All right, up next, this may be a, a first-time top five for at Darth Don Dada. At Darth Don Dada. Um, see you, chaos. Chaos is leaving the stream. We speak his name. Uh, but back to at Darth Don Dada's 
shot here. I guess I'll spell it for people out there. D-A-R-T-H-D-O-N-D-A-D-A. And uh, at Darth Dada here gave us a, a great shot of an Inquisitor. And there's a series of shots. And it's like they almost tell a little bit of a story. So in the first shot, the Inquisitor, it looks like the, the, the second sister, third sister, wearing that, that sister-esque helmet. The visor's lit up. And she's flanked on all sides by stormtroopers. All right, you got nice lighting here. You got some nice practical atmosphere going on. The next shot is her walking away from a corpse of a Jedi. So she just took out a Jedi. You got the troopers in the background shooting at stuff. But she's walking away with the Jedi's lightsaber in one hand and her saber ignited in the other. And it's just, it's just a great pose, like walking away like kind of that hero walk from an explosion, slow-mo, that type of deal. And then finally, you get the last shot with the uh, the sister here, the Inquisitor, with her helmet removed. It looks like uh, Darth Dundata is using, I believe, one of the sculpts from a Black Panther figure here to bring this character to life. So I, it, I don't know if Darth Dundata was kind of going for Reva here or just a brand new Inquisitor. Either way, it works well. Mashing up the figures worked well to get a nice new custom, but then the shots themselves and the series of shots tell a, a good little story about what Inquisitors get up to. Um, so great work here from at Darth Don Dada on Instagram. Our next featured artist this week, it's a lovely looking portrait shot, a low light portrait shot from at Jedi underscore journal. Uh, I believe Jedi journal has been featured before. It's definitely an account that I see all the time. It's one of my personal favorites. Um, Jedi journal does mixed scale shots. You know, this one I believe is a hot toy. They also do black series and I'm not sure if they do three, seven, five as well, but either way, a great toy photographer artist to check out. But I just, listen, I'm a, I'm a sucker for Vader. I, I think he, he photographs exceptionally. And in this case, Jedi Journal really nailed a great Vader portrait. Uh, there's some reds in there, but for the most part, it's just low light. And, and you just let the, the polishedness or the shine in the helmet kind of do the work for you. Let the lights reflect off of it. And it just makes for a great-looking Vader portrait. So much so that I feel like busting out my Hot Toys Vader and at least caressing it and letting him know that I still love him because he's been locked up in a glass shelf for many years now as he was one of my original Hot Toys. And the way I collect toys, well, the way I used to collect toys is I would get a new toy, take it out, ogle it, caress it, smell it, then I would photograph it, then it would go into its display or away, and that's it. No more pics, you're done. These days, I get toys and they just sit in boxes or they're containers, or I open them and they get dusty laying on a table. Uh, so that's one of the reasons I haven't pulled my Vader out yet, because my backlog of toys to shoot has now, is now more or less gone into, I, I've got toys that are probably two years old that I haven't shot, and that have been laying on tables collecting dust because I'm an asshole. All right. Just like that Razor Crest. I don't know if that damn thing's ever going to get shot either. I just, I can't get motivated. And when I do have time, I don't want to be doing it. I want to be watching TV or hanging out with the family. That's just how it is. I'm sure this will all change 
as the years progress and my daughter becomes her own woman and doesn't want to deal with me anymore. But as of right now, she wants to hang out. The wife wants to hang out. I am taking advantage of this time while my kid is young. So I'm not like all the old people in my life are like, oh, it went so fast. I wish I did more of this. I wish I paid more attention to that. Well, I'm trying to do it, but it's at the expense of my collecting and toy photography hobby. Does that make me a good dad? <laughs> okay, up next is a beauty. Uh, as to be expected, whenever we get art or see art from one at Daz Tibbles. So D-A-Z-T-I-B-B-L-E-S. I've been a fan of at Daz Tibbles for probably a decade at this point. Uh, I used to feature this guy's work when I ran Entertainment Buddha, which is like a, a geek entertainment site. Uh, but I, I've definitely been fully engaged with him uh, with his Star Wars work since we've come to the Star Wars Time Show. And what he created was a very vibrant looking poster for Obi-Wan Kenobi. It looks like it's set on that Dayu planet, kind of on that same street where we got that shot of the fifth brother. So, you know, you, you've got that. You've got this, you, you know, it was kind of like a main thoroughfare on Dayu. You got all these neon lights. It was the one, again, the one with the fifth brother in it. So Daz made a poster of that street, but instead of all the commotion and, and the Inquisitors, it's just Kenobi in his quote-unquote Jedi disguise holding a saber and holding the blaster. So it looks like Daz, like me, knows that that was Obi-Wan in that alleyway scene from the trailer and not Han Solo or Hondo or fucking Cad Bane because uh, it's the same blaster in look. Uh, but yeah, Kenobi standing there and then you have those those owl bird things flying out. Uh, it's just, it's, it's vintage Daz Tibbles. I mean, I, I don't know how to explain it to you without you looking at his work, uh, but it's kick-ass. I mean, this guy... Like most of the real-ass painters we follow here on the Star Wars Time Show regularly, anything they make, I would, I would pay for. I would buy art books. It's just very pleasing-looking real-ass paint. And no, Nick and I were never going to learn how to properly describe this form of art. But all we can tell you is if I could sell something, be it a part of my soul, maybe a, a pet, to gain this ability, I would definitely consider it because it is a form of magic. And that's what Daz Tibbles has achieved once again with this poster for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. All right, at this point, I can almost feel the PP reversing up through my throat. So let's make this quick. Our last top five of the week comes from at Homemade Galaxy, and it's just a great shot of Kenobi. And it looks like the Homemade Galaxy team uh, tried to mash up the figure a little bit. You know, they're, they're using a Kenobi figure from the prequel era, but they put a, a robe on it and kind of that, that, that neck thing to make it look more like the Kenobi from the Kenobi series. So I'm guessing they're going from that timeline. And it's just him standing over the corpses of some stormtroopers with his lightsaber out. Um, I, I, I'm a huge fan of what Homemade Galaxy does. Uh, I believe it's a dad working with his sons and other family members to create the Star Wars art, so that's pretty kick-ass. Maybe one day I can do something similar. But they also just do great static shots. Very good at building scenes and little worlds. You know, uh, you got some Jawas looking on there. Uh, the Homemade Galaxy is also very good at posing. So it's just a, a pleasing shot of what I'm going with the uh, Kenobi series timeline Kenobi. 
uh, albeit without a figure from that series yet because Hasbro has not started their exclusive Muddy Kenobi, only at Target, exclusive Combed Hair Kenobi, exclusively found at Walmart. That type of shit hasn't started yet. Uh, but just just a just a great shot here from at homemade galaxy on Instagram. Woo! All right, my friends, I did it again. A two hour and 48 minute solo show. I honestly have no clue how that's entertaining to anyone, but I do thank those of you that stuck around and listened for the whole thing. Uh, I, I, I definitely appreciate it. Hopefully Nick is back next week and we can kind of get that dynamic going on again. Because while I clearly have no problem sitting here and blah, 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 for almost three hours straight by myself, it, the, the, it's just not that fun. I feel like I'm getting boring. I feel like I recycle things I've said a million times. And I do kind of like having a sounding board. So thank you to those of you in the live stream chat for giving me a few things to look at and consider and reply to. But like I said... Hopefully my version of Chewbacca is back next week and young Nick returns and we kind of get the full dynamic of the show back up and running. Remember, he's got that Mandalorian card game he wants to put me through to see if I can pass the test. Um, But knowing how things go, I'm sure next week there'll be zero topics to talk about, which means Nick will be angry and uh, he may yell at some of you. But in between now and then, you know what you need to do for me, and that is to just keep spreading the word about the Star Wars Time Show. And the best thing you can do with that is just let everyone know to, hey, check out StarWarsTime.net on a daily basis. It might not be new content every day, but there's probably something on the site that they can drill into. You know, we're going to have, by tomorrow, over 204 episodes of this stupid-ass show to dig into on StarWarsTime.net. Uh, you never know if I'll have a leak to cover or a comic book to recap, but StarWarsTime.net is where you can find that stuff and try to figure out what we'll be talking about each week on the Star Wars Time Show. If you want to get looped in with the Star Wars Time Show, if you're on YouTube and you're watching right now, make sure again to subscribe, turn on notifications, like this video, and comment. If you want to get mixed up with the podcast, you can also achieve that goal through the YouTube video descriptions or by going to starwarstime.net. Just hit up the subscribe to podcast section and I assure you, you will find one that will work for you. If you don't, you're doing it wrong. You're not podcasting correctly because we've got all the major platforms. So just pick one. And like I said earlier, if you can rate and review, please do. Why should you be doing this? Well, if you're in the know, you just know there's always time for Star Wars time. If you're new here, now you know. There's always time for Star Wars time. So keep it up. Let's grow the audience. Why not make the Star Wars time show something special like some of these other fan podcasts? We can do it. Let's make the edgier shows stand out. It's through your word of mouth and our crappy content. It'll happen. Maybe not today. Maybe not in 10 years. But at least by the time I'm dead. All right, my friends, and besides, if you listen to the Star Wars Time Show or get other people to listen to the Star Wars Time Show, the Force will be with you always. Always.